everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. Today I am joined by Mr. Kyle Bossman. Hello. And at the end there, Brandon Jones. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll be moderating this uh, this long-form Smash discussion uh, today. No, we'll be talking about a bunch of things. It won't be just Smash. We'll be talking about other things. There will be a lot of Smash, though. So that's either a win or lose for you, depending on your taste. Dear viewer, I'll be moderating through this. I am Ben Moore. And uh, Kyle, I wanted to take this opportunity, with you being on the show, okay. uh, with the Game Awards just ending, Yeah, you worked on the Game Awards. Mm -hmm. Can you describe to the audience uh, what that was like? Yeah. Yeah, my job title on the Game Awards is consultant. Uh, <laughs> so, like, just to give you a general idea of what I am, because mm -hmm. I don't... This year, I did not, not even come onto the project until a week before. Mm the actual show day. So most of the show was written when I hopped in, but basically I help Gabe or who is basically the writer of the game awards. Uh, I help him uh, like write alternates for like stage patter. When, when two presenters come to talk about before an award, I'm like helping him. If, if we don't like the first one in the read through, we have an alternate and we can go with that one. Gotcha. So I'll write those. I'll write stuff that hops up in, in like the spur of a moment where like uh, the person who is supposed to present this award can't come. Can you write one that is just very basic that anybody could read? It's like, okay, I could do that. Because uh, some you write specifically for the persons, you know, like their personality or their humor or whatever, their background. Uh, but then sometimes you just have to write a generic one for if anybody has to fill in last minute, you can just write that. So when, you, when you're writing it, these, these things that people are saying, does mm -hmm. Jeff have the final say on that? Are you pretty much given control? Yeah, uh, Jeff and Kimmy Kim are executive producers, mm -hmm. and th they both share that final responsibility. Gotcha. Uh, are they are they pretty rough when it comes to that, or do you find like, oh, hey, a lot of this stuff is is getting through on the first draft? I guess. Uh, no, they're not really rough. They're okay. they're good. They're good in their specifics. When when something isn't right, they have the proper notes for it. They're just like, well, that wouldn't really be right for this show, or no, we want to go in this kind of direction for that. Uh, so anytime you wrote the wrong thing, you know why it was wrong, and you generally get it right the second time, gotcha. which is really good. Uh, so yeah, it's it's fun. It's a fun thing to have to write, and you know, sometimes you're writing things like two minutes before the show goes up, uh, where it's like, oh, we need to, we totally forgot about that part that. Uh, we have to promote these the sales, the Game Awards right. sales. I'm being very specific this time, and so uh, it, it's like it's like we're we're 20 minutes before going live, and we never wrote that down. And so I go over to the teleprompter person, and like uh, I have it down in a car, just like uh, just say these things, you know, just like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Xbox Games Store, you know. So it's like uh, it's really fun. It's 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 fun to do something live and big like that for sure. Yeah, that definitely sounds exciting on one hand, but I mean, coming on a week before this absolutely gargantuan event, mm -hmm. uh, like, what's the what's the ratio between fun and like maddening stress? Uh, way more fun for me as someone who has low responsibility consultant. You're not responsible if anything goes wrong, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and you are responsible if something goes right. So it's a nice spot to be in. Uh, but like, a, it was. I don't know if I should say that. I will. Very smooth this year. Yeah. Years prior, there'd be a lot of things like moving around, dropping out, people moving in around or dropping out. And this year, like pretty smooth. Like when I walked in on that first day, like everything was pretty locked in. It felt like a confident show. Yeah. It felt like everything kind of went as intended. Yeah. And that's basically what it was. Uh, everything was code words when I walked in. I got to tell you really something really funny. 
I feel like Keely did this just to bother me. Uh, the code name for Crash Team Racing was Orange Box. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I'm looking for days at this thing on the schedule called Orange Box. And I'm like, oh, baby. Yep. Here oh, we go. Here we go. And then it's Crash Team Racing. Great. But right. it's not. It's not. An, it's not the orange. So box. far removed from what you had in your head. Yeah. To kill you, troll. He's like, I know. <laughs> uh, are you guys when you're when you're coming on a week before? Are you like constantly meeting every night? Is it a remote thing where you just kind of like coordinate over Slack or something? What is that process like? Uh, they rent out space. They rent out offices. Oh, uh, nice. Keely and Kimmy, they're in meetings all day long. Uh, basically. Uh, we're just kind of accepting things as they come. So we have that script, the patter script and like the intro script, like tonight he's this, she's this, please welcome, you know, those things. Uh, uh, and then you kind of wait for approvals. You wait for things to change. And so, yeah, if you're strictly just a writer on the game awards, it's a lot of writing and then high pressure moments, but then a lot of waiting for the next thing to come. Uh, you before you've worked on the Game Awards, you've had more of a an onstage presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you prefer kind of being behind the scenes, focusing exclusively on consulting, or or actually being a part of the show? It's a good question because there's definitely stuff that I would love to do, but like, it's I'll say this: here's the part of the Game Awards is. Keely has to do ad reads. You yes. know, he has to hold up a phone and talk to you about PUBG Mobile, right? Like, that's part of how the show gets done. Uh, I don't envy him for that part. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Nobody, like, likes to do that part, but that is just part of the whole deal. And so, yeah... Uh, uh, there's some stuff that's really fun to do and there's some stuff that you have to do and you have to grin and do it. But uh, uh, yeah, it's tough. It's definitely hard to be on stage and you gain an appreciation for everything Keeley does because, you know, he's doing that, but also directing the show and booking talent and being a live performer the entire time uh, without breaking a sweat. So it's cool. Nice. Uh, Jones brought up the word confidence, and I think Mm -hmm. he's right on the money there because those moments where it was full ad mode, like you could, obviously they were ads, but you didn't, they weren't as bothersome to me. It felt like the transition between we're going to have a super serious moment and and focus on this great cause that's happening versus here's this hype trailer versus, hey, we got to do an ad now. Like all of those things coexisting feels impossible but keely just did it with a smile yeah um he had like really no hiccups in his presentation he just like looked at that camera and did it and i think it made it uh flow so incredibly well and so yeah uh it's it's been said a lot already but it was a great show and i think you and keely and everybody else involved should be pretty happy with it so yeah uh, did you know, I have to ask for my own personal reasons, did you know about Joker and Smash before the show went live? Mm-mm. So that code name was Grand Slam. Oh! Uh, so all week <laughs> long, correct. there's code name Grand Slam at the end of the schedule. So it's like, what is Nintendo, what is going to be Grand Slam? And I thought it was going to be, you know, that's like some sort of twist on Grand Prix, Star Fox Grand Prix. I uh, thought maybe it's time for that. Uh, Kyle, um, it sounds like kind of a bummer for you where you're like getting this coded language and you're like, yeah. well, it's got to be this. Yeah. Like you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Not your fault. How, do, how did your brain not run right. wild? But. Well, uh, uh, Ultimate Alliance 3 was Heroes. I was like, oh, bleh. You know, you see heroes, you're like, right. look at that book. All right. Cute. Heroes. Let's see what this is. That's uh, one of my favorite announcements. Dude, me oh, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe that. I couldn't Just either. Nintendo, Marvel, like, boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the audience was thrown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, 
another silly thing behind the scenes is you know jeff likes to like prod at me he's like what do you think is going to be in the show and so <laughs> he's like do you think they're going to announce a smash character i was like no like it's too soon for dlc he's like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> but for the uh for the ultimate alliance thing he said yeah reggie like three months ago told me they got something that i'm never going to believe he didn't tell me then then he told me this week and i was like man i did not believe it i really did not believe it and i'm like can't like can I tell people that? He's like, no. <laughs> Prior to the show, I was like, can I yeah, tell yeah. people that on the podcast? He's like, no, you can't tell them. Wow. I could not tell people that Jeff Keighley could not believe the Nintendo announcement. I have my question that I have to know. Yeah. Was that Ed Boone's idea or was that Keighley's idea to, to cut right into sports? Yeah, that was uh, that was pre-established. That was my favorite moment yeah. of the whole thing. Yep, yep, yep. That was like that was well established by the time I walked in, and that was like the one that it was easy to connect. Yeah, code name to like what's happening there. I just I ho- really hope it was Ed's idea. Yeah, you know that he's like, oh, we'd love to get you know MK11. He's like, oh, if only if I can crash, because <laughs> it was like I love that it did to my brain. Uh, that was when everything went black. I think that was when it like Scorp- the trailer Scorpion's went right away. Chain shattered through the uh, yeah the yeah yeah, yeah that's thing, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was just right when the thought crossed through my head, like the millisecond that I was like, "The hell is Ed Boone doing? Giving a sports award?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, oh, of course. And he was so low key too. He wasn't cute and winky. Yeah, yeah he, he was just like, it. "I'm really happy to pre- announce this award." Here we go. Here are the nominees. And like so low key. Yep. You would never expect something's about I, to happen. I would I would go so far as to say Ed Boone's like a low key Kojima as far as like how he just goofs with his audience, but not at their expense. You know, yep. like it's it's everyone loves it. It's all part of the fun. And just the idea of like the the storm and then the lightning just showing that logo first was like he gets it. Like yeah. he, yes. he knows exactly what's gonna rile this audience up. And that's so great to say it's like magic to me when you see someone who just I have you in the palm of my hand. Jones, I want to extend that analogy because really Ed Boone has been relevant since the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as as a huge video game director, that's yeah. really, really hard to do. I am like I it's really impressive. He's he's like a rare talent and like needs to be appreciated. And, and so, like you know? Mortal Kombat is seeing like its greatest success ever, like nine yeah. and ten just selling gazillions of copies. Like not only relevant, but just and injustice, man. And yeah. injustice, yeah, absolutely. So and yeah. at the launch of Easy Allies, a little retweet from Mr. Ed Boone. No, he was way. Like, really? He was like, hey, did you on, tell us this? Good on these guys. What you should have told us this. No. I gra- I don't know if you remembered it because I grabbed him at a party and I was like, Ed, I just because I, I don't talk to him a lot. And I was mm-hmm. like, I just want to say thanks. You know, you were really, you got the word out. For, you helped us get the word out when we first started. And he was like, okay. It was just like, oh, yeah, Game Jones. I remember those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we'll take it. With, with that announcement, I think specifically, it was heavily rumored that Mortal Kombat 11 was going to be at the Game Awards. And so mm-hmm. that, that's, that's always frustrating to hear because it's like, ah, man, that would have been a nice surprise. I still felt like that surprise was there because of how they did it. Yes. And so that extra yeah. layer really added a lot uh, for me. Yeah, it was an exciting show. Like, like approaching just personally E3 levels, I think. Like, obviously, you're not going to get as many things, but I think what they had was presented so well. Like, The Outer Worlds, man. Yeah. What a cool game. That was, I think Mortal Kombat 11 was my favorite moment. That's my favorite trailer. Yeah. yeah. I really love that one. This is the future. Don't break it. I was like, what a great attitude to have. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I thought it was, and I, like, mentioned this on social media. I'm like, there's some, even, like, you know, uh, Far Cry 5. Like, there's just a lot in the punk with guns and the, you know, like, 
uh, high foliage and fast vehicles. It's just like we've done this, especially uh, Fallout 76, like just launching. And so there's I can imagine a lot of people like, okay, when they see something in that style and having to still pull that off, having the personality come through, mentioning that they had previously worked on Fallout in New Vegas and not in a way of like, that's what we did, but like, Think about that. Think about New Vegas. Now look at this. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is the, the perfect moment for that kind of announcement. Though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, one part I really like about the trailer, and I think it's bad for a trailer, but really good in this instance, is that we pause for a long time on this option of like, who do you want to shoot? Who do you want to shoot? Go ahead. You get to yeah. pick. Right. Right. And like the person like picks that one is like, you didn't have to do that. So it's really cool. Like we get that as people who play video games, we get that we're about to get choices in this video game. Mm-hmm. And so I really like that. That was a moment in the trailer that yeah. to really communicate. Like you're going to have options like an RPG as well as shooting around. It's cool. Cool trailer for sure. I think it's time to talk about Smash. Sure. <laughs> Let's. Uh... <laughs> It is a cliche thing to say, but there is no better way for me to say it. Uh, out of all of the games that have come out this year, uh, Pokemon Let's Go, I think, falls in this category, but Smash Ultimate has made me feel like a kid again uh, in ways I did not know was still possible, where like you're just yelling stupid stuff, <laughs> playing with your friends, not making any sense, Losing track of time, forgetting to eat, staying up until three in the morning, looking up videos just because you want more of it all the time. Like, it's it's really kind of become, just in the last two days, this all-consuming force for me. Uh, but I've talked about Smash Ultimate before. I went to an event. Kyle, you care about Smash a lot. Yeah. What do you think about Smash Ultimate? I love Smash Ultimate. And here's, here's what I want to say about it. Uh... Smash Bros. for Wii U, mm-hmm. downloaded it, got all the DLC, uh, played it very little. I'd say yeah. 10 hours, 10 to 20 hours. There are characters who I'd never put any time into. Uh, and it's just because for somebody who likes playing single-player games, who likes playing, uh, you know, like a fighting game, like get through the credits, unlock all the characters, you're done, uh, there was very little for me to do. Yes. And I, mean, I think what was there was super underwhelming. Like yes. That board game thing... No, thank you. Right. I hated unlocking custom moves for characters. Like, I just hated it. I hated so much about, like, what there was to do in that game. Um, When spirits were initially revealed, I was also super underwhelmed. Spirits Mm -hmm. are, Jones, Mm -hmm. they're dumb little images that give your character attributes, basically. Boost stats in certain ways. Um, In the the single-player mode or also in multiplayer? You could use it in multiplayer, but you shouldn't. Oh, okay. You can turn them on, but turn it on and off. You're okay. being a bunch of goofs if you turn those on for multiplayer. Uh, but um, what I realize is that this is like spirits is the core of what makes it interesting to play this game single player because there is an adventure mode. There's World of Light. You saw the trailer for oh, sure, yeah. where everybody dies and you got to go revive them and everything, and you get a world map that you travel through and. Each spot on the map is not just a battle against somebody. It's somebody's spirit. A video game's character is is transferred into the body of a Smash character. And they're so clever in the way that they communicate these things. So, like, uh, Tron Bon is an early one, right? Who looks like Tron Bon? Kind of Wendy. Uh, Actually didn't get Tron Bon. Oh, yeah. She's really early. She's like, uh, if you go right. Uh, But anyway. uh, 
so like how do we communicate her they choose wendy because she's got a, a pink bow or whatever so they do a pink wendy um and then um they're serve bots and so they have mm-hmm. tiny little robs that are yellow yeah and so basically they do as best as they can to communicate that video game character in this scenario even the moves that they choose even like stage hazards that are happening uh so it feels like you are battling for that person's spirit but also the way these spirits uh, they just they're across the game. It is it is kind of like Injustice Two. It's like this this grand scheme of progress throughout in all every single mode of the game. Even if you're just playing with a buddy. When I was playing one on ones with Ben last night, I was still earning gold somehow. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like everything is all it's all connected. Uh, and it's it and by playing it, in other modes, you can also earn spirits, and so yes. that makes you want to like jump back yes, in and see you. what yes. that will do. Yeah. You can sell your spirits, combine like you can summon spirits. Like it's, it was so dumb. It was so hard for them to explain the value of spirits to me. But then just I think you know, World of Light has to come first, right? It, it, that that mode gives a meaning to the spirits. That that mode gives you a reason to want to deal with any of those things. And then an explanation, World of Light came last, and I think that was the issue. But like once you start playing, it's not an issue. I I feel like World of Light kind of connects to one of the fundamental appeals of Smash Brothers in a way that so many of the other modes in past Smash Brothers games haven't, and that is, like, kind of a celebration of video games where, like, you don't... Because there are so many spirits and because they get so obscure and the the net is cast so wide, you don't know what you're going to see, and so you kind of have this excitement and you're like, oh, my God, you know, that's... That's Andy from Advance Wars. That's just <laughs> here. And then how they interpret it with yeah. a bunch of explosions and little tiny snakes running around. It's like, <laughs> this is fun. This is reminding me of Advance Wars. Sure, the fight's going to be over in a couple of minutes. But like, I, I have this feeling, this love for this game. And it's represented here. I can't wait to see how that love is going to be presented in a bunch of different ways. And so it's it's just really awesome just collecting them and experimenting. And it's not the deepest system. I mean, basically, it's like, I'm going to juice up these spirits, level them up, pay attention to this triangle... And uh, if there's a hazard on the stage, I'm going to equip support spirits that cancel that hazard. Uh, But there are enough times where it's like, do I want to start the match with this or do I want this other benefit? And so I think, like, as you go on, you're mixing things up enough. You have to respond to the challenges enough that, like, it's exciting. And seeing these variations to these fights, you know... Uh, what are they going to do? How are they going to change the stage? What is the size of the character going to be? What items are they going to have? Like, there's enough going on that at least right now, uh, it's interesting. I'm shocked to hear how long it is yeah. with people saying it's taking them, like, over 20 hours to finish. Like, I wonder if by the end of it, I'll be like, okay, that was too long, mm-hmm. um, too tedious. But at least right now, I think it's it's pretty exciting and fresh. Um Kyle, I do want to ask you something about World of Light, where uh, the there have been a couple of fights where <clears throat> sometimes it feels like the single-player content in World of Light feels like it struggles between being a complete pushover or being so hilariously hard where the, the AI just demolishes you that like sometimes it feels like there's a, a rough... No in-between zone Mm -hmm. for World of Light. Have you experienced that as well? Yeah, I don't mind it. Sometimes there's a match where it's like, okay, I got to come back to that. Sure, 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 sure. And it's, you know, it's four rare spirits, those four stars that have like 15,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then I don't mind the rolling over because it's like what Jones loves to do. If you grind in an RPG, if you just have a high level, you're just going to be strong. Yay! Yeah. So yeah, sometimes Jones, it's really fun to drop in and finish a guy off in three hits. Yeah, bah, yeah. Bah, bah, bah. It's like, yep, I got the higher level. Yeah, I don't mind it, Ben. And also, like, it incentivizes you, right? Like, if you apply a worse spirit, if you have a lower level, you'll get, you get more, more rewards. Yep. Oh, cool. Yeah. Smart. Yeah, and, and yeah, the game design's all there. It's all in. So yeah, I don't mind it too much. And you can grind on the harder guys. If you really think you can beat a 15k guy, you can try it five, 15 times, and then you eventually get it, and you right. feel awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a bunch of stuff in World of Light where it, it didn't need to be there, but it's kind of cool that it is, and I feel like that kind of represents Smash Ultimate as a whole, where it's like, yeah, you can get rid of spirits you don't want to get cores and then use money to summon new spirits. Like, just the system mm -hmm. that didn't need to be there, but kind of adds another fun element because you can go and you can see what, like, silhouettes of the core or the, the spirits that you can make. And I think that's really cool. Uh, speaking of the disparity uh, between the AI, that also applies to the, the challengers. So you only start with eight characters in Smash Ultimate, and you've got a ton to unlock. I finally, last late last night, I got all the characters. Whoa, nice. Um, and... It was so much fun unlocking them. Yes. Uh, because the AI actually puts up a fight. Like, at first I was like, well, I just suck, so maybe it's just me. And then I went online and I was like, no, everybody's struggling with the challengers' fights, and you can you can rematch them. But it makes it so much more exciting when you have these dozens and dozens and dozens of characters. Like, your heart starts racing when you get that, like, a new challenger approaches thing, mm -hmm. and you don't know whether or not you're going to win. Yeah. Um, and that has been really fun. And some of them, it's like, oh, okay, I, I didn't even get hit, and I crushed it. And the other is, it's like, oh, we're both at over 100%. Are we going to do it? Um, and just, like, little tiny things that make the matches so much more exciting. Like, when you get that smash, and the camera zooms in mm -hmm. for that kill shot. Oh, it feels so good. Um, Kyle. I want to talk about the roster. I want to yeah. talk about what characters you're feeling, how your response to the roster has changed over time. I don't know. Just general impressions. Yeah. So I haven't played many of the new characters yet. I got Incineroar last night. I love Incineroar. Yeah. Incineroar is a smash character. <laughs> uh, he's just mean he auto taunts if you finish a combo he's like Hur! if you like get a smash he's like Hur! it's like it's so cool he doesn't move jones and then poses afterward like it's i love that and it's probably like to if you not to like mash combos and things like that and like you know to have some like he's just strong he doesn't jump well he's not like good at recovery stuff and it, like you fail your jump he just like rockets straight down uh but uh he just he hits so hard he's got like a technique move where he throws you against the ropes, and as you come back, you have to press B at the right moment. If you press it too late, you whiff, and the opponent like gets the jump on you. Uh, if you press it too early, he flips you behind and still does damage. But if you press it at that right moment, he hits you so hard for like 20% damage. Uh, and so it just feels really good to have this move that requires timing. Yeah. Um, uh, he's just... He's just loving how much he's hurting his opponents. Yes. He's just a big, angry Pokemon who's not angry. He's just having a time of his life out there just hurting people kyle i don't think it's ridiculous to say in a game where you have some of the most beloved characters in video game history and so many characters that people want to see in this game i don't think incineroar makes like 
it certainly doesn't make the top 10. Probably mm-hmm. doesn't make the top 20 or 30. Like, not a character I, I don't think a large number of people are clamoring for. And he's designed so much well, so well, and has such a great, like, larger than life personality, as you were describing, that you love him. Like, yeah. I, now I don't want to imagine Smash without Incineroar. Yeah. And I just really <laughs> think that speaks to the design of a lot of these characters. And uh, Isabel, right? Very similar to Villager in a lot of ways, but the. The how they changed her makes her so much fun. Uh, just planting that gyroid and then watching somebody just get launched up in the air by walking over it. Or uh, the the fishing rod, man. This thing is... Is it a side B? I don't, so yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, yeah. So I don't know how it, she works. It has just ridiculous range and just... I think especially when you're playing like four person smash mm-hmm. and you've got people fighting over on the side and you're on the other side of the stage and you just throw that fishing rod out and you're like nope I'm whipping you to this way <laughs> it's just it's so trolly and fun and unique and cool and it's like Isabel now I don't want to imagine smash without Isabel um and yeah it's I I feel like smash ultimate is kind of the has, the best of both worlds where the new characters were a lot more exciting than I thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. And so you have that, you have that freshness, you have that newness, but then it's like, Oh man, I haven't played ice climbers in forever. Let's go back to that. And so you just feel like you have kind of this limitless well of experiences of characters that are so different. And it's a game where I feel like having so much is to its benefit because it doesn't really shortchange you on the new stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that is really, really, really important. And like, I just, I know, I know it's controversial to have a fighting game where it starts with eight characters and then you have to unlock your way up to 70. Uh, but like, I, I love that, uh, world of light and whatever unlocking characters through classic mode, uh, makes you appreciate each of the characters. Yeah. Uh, duck hunt. I never put any time into mm-hmm. previously in Wii U. Duck I was like, really I don't like it's deal, but you know, you unlock it in world of light. It's like, okay, duck hunt. Let's do a couple of rounds. Let's see what we do here. Mm-hmm. And you like, you get its moves down. You get like what the can does and just like what the Frisbee's all about. And you learn to like, really like this character. And so I think it's a, in terms of a player enjoying the game uh, alone, appreciating the game, appreciating all the characters, uh, I think it was the right decision. I really like the way this game is designed. Jones, uh, as somebody who who is not a Smash person, hasn't really ever been a Smash person, currently downloading on my Switch as we speak right now. Oh, nice, yeah, cool. So you've you've expressed a lot of enthusiasm, like, hey, I really want to give this a fair shake. Uh, with the amount of stuff in Smash Ultimate, does that intimidate you? No. Uh, I love unlocking characters. Yeah. I love. Uh, I'm really excited about World of Light. I love that there's just like going to be a lot to do. I love both of you taking long deserved sips after the long <laughs> Smash conversation. Uh, I'll, I'll hold it for a little bit, guys. Take a rest. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, I just I love just slow inc- incremental progress. Like I was saying with Kyle, like I I love games where we have that multiplayer split where when you're challenging other players locally or online, like you're all going to be matched equally. But when you're offline, like no, we want you to get more powerful. We want you to pick your favorite character, invest in them as much as you want and kind of like Kyle said like I'm excited I think the main thing is like previously like 90% of my smash playing in my life has been against other people it's like Mm -hmm. very rarely just against the computer trying to get better at the game and so 
I'm either like, okay, let me pick one of the Fire Emblem characters because I just kind of naturally gravitate towards like sword and shield and backflips and stuff. Like this Same. is kind of just more what I just naturally get good at. It's like when I played Injustice 2, I was like, Catwoman is my character, I guess. Okay, because I just, her moveset just fit my brain easier. And, or I'll pick someone where it's like, yeah, I'm going to be Pac-Man this time and I am going to lose. Like I know it, <laughs> but I'm going to have fun doing yeah, it. Yeah. So I'm going to pick a character that I'm going to have fun losing as and it's going to be interesting picking those fun characters and actually trying to get better at them. Not, you know, not like, what is this move? Okay, well, I'm just knocked off screen. But, like, no, I actually get a chance. There's modes where I, I, I'm curious if I'm going to spend a lot of time with, like, that graph paper mode. Is that something you can access right away? Yeah, it's training mode. Um, yeah, I would love to just, I, I mean, Simon and I are going to spend a lot of time in there. Whenever just, I get a new character, Jones, I'm jump, straight jump, in jump, there. Jump, 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 Yeah, attack, attack, it feels attack. really good to be in there, yeah. yeah. It does. Yeah. Um, I just hope you all will be, still be playing in February and March when I... Get better. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's actually uh, better than I am now. I don't know if good will qualify, but a question I want to bring up. Uh, but before I do that, I do want to talk about like my biggest head scratching criticism of Smash Ultimate. So, uh, been doing. I've been playing mostly uh, just like these battle lobbies where you get six people in there and you face off and you do one v ones or whatever you want uh, with friends and people that you know. That's been great. But when you do quick play, mm-hmm. you can set Rule preferences. I would like to play 1v1 with no items. That's not a guarantee. Yeah. You cannot <laughs> for sure do that. Right. You might be like, I want to play 1v1, and suddenly you're in four-player smash. That is ridiculous and super dumb. <laughs> um, maybe it is not a big deal to everyone, but I just don't know how you have this game where clearly a sizable and passionate group of people will want to play a certain way and you can't guarantee that with the quick play matchmaking. Like I don't I don't get it, man. Yeah, I think they underestimated how many people would like a particular mode. You know, mm-hmm. I think they thought there'd be too many pockets that people like too many options that there wouldn't be enough users in any one pillar mm. of a lobby or whatever. But uh, some mistake was made. They're, and I wonder if they're gathering data right now, if they're looking at preferences and there will be eventually a 1v1 mode. Do you, do you think this is something that they recognize it, they hear it, people complain about it, they'll respond quickly? Or is it going to take till February, till March to get to. I think that's optimistic. Yeah. I think it'll take a while, oh. man. I think, I think, I don't know. Like, you know, like when Halo launches, you know that they could have a new game mode in, in a couple of weeks. You know, like, it's just like, uh, well, new playlist. Like, I just think game mode, but you know, like a new, you know, like, uh, what's it called? Skull Ball? What's the, what's the, the sport in Halo? Oh, uh, Griff Ball? Griff Ball, right? Like, you, they could add Griff Ball in, in, in any given week. I don't, like, I don't, like, trust uh, Smash Bros. to be able to be that on the fly. Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, 1v1 mode is in. We added this thing in the menu. Like, the menu seems so locked in. Everything seems so permanent already. And, like, we're not, we're not going to touch it. We're all done. Uh, I don't know if they'll ever add that, you know? Yeah, that really concerns me, Kyle, because I feel like... This this honeymoon phase is so important, and like right now, I feel like you go on your or again anecdotal evidence. This is not going to be the same for everybody, but me going the friends list, and it's like I've got six people playing Smash. Let's get together. Let's do some matches. That's awesome. A week from now, you know, when that that high intensity of hype has died down, it's like ah okay, I'm I'm hopping on, and and no one's playing Smash. I want to do one v one, and then you like get into a four player match. That I wonder if for enough people that will be demotivating that they'll put the game down Mm -hmm. and then it will fade and i I really don't want that i I think there's so much 
good here so incredibly much that it gets right that to have something be this head scratching is is really frustrating to me yeah uh, i think another thing that's pretty interesting though is that i don't you know i talked about how you know you can get gold playing online i don't think there's an online progression there's a weird like you know global score per, yeah per, like points you know you'll lose points if you if your teammate loses in a team match that you didn't even want to get into right, right. so it's just like to me, the game clearly, it does not seem like from a design standpoint, online was ever a big part of their motivation, of, mm-hmm. of what they want the player to be interested in because of what they're interested in. I just, I think that Sakurai doesn't care about online. That, But that is confusing to me when I look and I go in and I'm like, okay, they how well they let you customize your controls mm-hmm. to be as competitive as possible. Yeah. Um, the so many subtle changes that they made to the mechanics, uh, to the shield system, to dodging, to air dodging, uh, like there's clearly a strong effort to balance things competitively. You would think that would translate into let's have those people that are taking it seriously be able to play seriously easily when they want to. Yeah. I guess I hope for like ladders. I hope for like a tournament eventually. You know, like so I do hope for some mode. Yeah. Yeah. Um Are there not tournaments? Cuz there were tournaments in Smash 4 that you could set up. Cool. I think there were, right? Mario yeah. Kart style. Maybe they're yeah. adding them later. Uh, Cuz I do feel like the word was said, but when I went to online options, I didn't see anything like that there. Yeah, I I'm Again, the game is still fresh out, and mm-hmm. so maybe these problems that, that I'm talking about are more or less serious than they actually are. And like I said, I've basically primarily been playing in uh, lobbies. Yeah. I've done one random online match, and uh, the connection was good. I'm playing Wired, uh, which I do think makes a big difference. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe it's not as bad as, as it seems. It's just kind of looking on the horizon, a potential problem in the future. I did see like on the Smash Reddit, people are like, hey, if you tweak your settings to this, you'll get it a lot more consistently. Um, so maybe things yeah, will work out. You're right. If people combine and have this very specific yeah. same settings, they will match up with each other. But that should not be a workaround. That should be on the, the team. Uh, I do want to talk about the future of Smash, though, and and... Where where things will go from here? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this is a game that you'll be playing three months from now? Uh, yeah, I do wonder how consistently the extra characters will come out. Mm-hmm. I love that they come with stages, so the idea that there will be a Persona Five stage is pretty exciting. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, and so like I think it's. I think you'll come in every time there's a new character. I just, that, that's kind of what I mean with like online progression. Like once we finish World of Light, once we have all the characters unlocked, uh, I don't see there being a big incentive to return, uh, you know? And so I, I hope that, you know, for the sake of the game, for the sake of its life, they add some sort of progression to online, uh, some sort of level, some sort of unlocks, some sort of reason for people to keep grinding away at it. Otherwise, I can't see it seeing as something that drops off. Uh, something very disappointing for me with Smash 4 uh, was watching Evo 2018 mm-hmm. and just seeing a whole lot of Bayonetta. That uh, final round, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> obviously, like I'm not, I'm not an authority on Smash Brothers or any fighting game, but I think from a casual, interested viewer's perspective, it felt pretty lame seeing this character be so dominant. Yeah. Um, and I think. 
like that like the uh, the Tekken Grand Finals just happened and uh, and Panda won and that was just the hypest thing ever yeah. and you you <laughs> want those moments you want things to to not feel it's where it's like okay people are going to play this they're going to play exactly in this way uh you want those upsets you want those exciting moments do you think that is going to be a problem for Smash Ultimate where you have these DLC characters that are just so overwhelmingly powerful and Nintendo doesn't really fix it in an adequate way? I have little reason to believe that they would improve. Uh, I just like, I feel like it was bad luck, you know? Yeah. I feel like it was just bad luck that Bayonetta turned out so good. And the part that wasn't bad luck is that Nintendo wasn't willing to nerf her completely. Uh, and so I want to believe that, you know, like it just won't happen again just because, like, that there won't be that hole this time. Like, well, let's really consider these characters. But, uh, that's the thing, Ben, is the changes made to these characters have been so thoughtful yes. in, in their details. It's confusing. Yes. <laughs> the changes from 4 to Ultimate, there's yes. some things that just, like, you wouldn't even think about. Just like, why would you change that? It's right. so thoughtful. You really are reconsidering every aspect of every character. And it is added up in such a way where yeah. it is just straight up more fun to play than 4, in yeah. my opinion. Immediately. Yes. Yeah. In a second. And so it's weird that this team cares so much and then sometimes so little. It is really, really bizarre. And Kyle... I think that might be my biggest frustration, not only with Smash Brothers, but Nintendo as a whole. Mm -hmm. Smash Brothers could have everything. The community is there. Yeah. The passion is there. Mm -hmm. The support is there. And sometimes they just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is so weird. But then you look at, like you were saying, all of these changes, and it's like, it's like, Part of me feels like maybe I'm being strung along. Like, I want to hope, right? I want to hope that, like, all right, this is going to be it, that we're not going to run into the same pitfalls that we have in the past. And, and I, I don't know. It's it's these conflicting motions, and I'm not really always sure where to land on it. Yeah, Jones, don't you think Don't you think Smash Bros. could be Overwatch? Don't you think, like, it could be? Yeah, I think Overwatch is a kind of thing. I mean, the major difference is Overwatch is something you can come in and appreciate on its own. Whereas it's hard to appreciate Smash if you have if you don't know who any of these people are. It's not. <laughs> if is you it? have, I, I mean, I guess that's you. That's I, your that just yeah. my take. Yeah. yeah, I just I just think well, it, just because it's it's built to be that. Overwatch is built for new players. It's built for you to come in. And, okay, who's this? You know, who are these people? And what is this world? And and how are they balanced? And and I can just pick someone purely because I enjoy their aesthetic and I like their abilities. Where. I'm yeah. The, I I do like the range and the items that Simon Belmont uses, but like the primary reason I'm using him as my main is because I love Castlevania, I love Gothic horror, I love you know um, you know flogging the undead. Like I just I love everything about that gameplay style, and uh, so I think that has a lot to do with it. And I don't know. It's it's weird. Smash Brothers, from my perspective, is like very much on the outside. Is strange because it's like this extremely mega popular, massively selling niche community (laughs) you know like it's i feel like they have their own specific sect within nintendo and obviously there's a lot of people coming into it from multiple directions even like metal gear and bayonetta and stuff Mm -hmm. um but at the same time it is very special it's something i've avoided for so many years really like investing in um do you do you really think that's fair though to to call the small thing within nintendo uh, just be just in the last two days seeing how much it's sold seeing the attention that it's gotten it doesn't it, it doesn't feel very small. It feels like something that kind of yeah. warrants... Maybe not, not small, a lot of but support. like uh, specific. You like Smash or you don't. 
You know, like there's not a, like, and, and that actually makes me curious because I think it's kind of the trend for this generation of games is like so many franchises making a case for comeback. You know, like there's the first Mario game I played in a long time for Zelda game I played in a long time. I'm playing Yakuza now. Like there's a lot of new series that I'm trying out and I'm curious if this is going to welcome new people in that uh, haven't made a lot of time for it before. But I, I, I see a lot of people, there's a hilarious video of somebody doing reactions from the Game Awards that when Persona happened, they're like, yeah, oh, it's Smash Brothers. <laughs> you're like oh no it's so like it's I, I can't think of many franchises usually if people don't like something they're like I'm just gonna stay away from it yeah. but like actively it's one of those series it's like oh my god you're still talking about Smash Brothers and it's like it's such a jolly fun thing I've, I haven't played a lot of it but I'm not like mad at that series like I, you know I love the trailers it's some of my favorite probably my favorite ad campaigns in the industry like across the board um, but I just never um, it's intimidating uh, amongst my group of friends growing up amongst that bubble when I was very young, every, everyone liked Smash. Yeah. I didn't meet anybody who didn't like Smash. And so it was interesting, like, just coming in and covering games professionally and being like, oh, I mean, of course some people don't like Smash. But it was a, a weird moment where, where there was just that instant rejection. Like, I, this is not for me. I'm never going to play this. I don't care what characters in it. This is just not my style of thing. Kyle, uh, do you think... Smash Ultimate will convert people. Do you do you think it has that power? Yeah, and I think the Switch has that power that yes. we've seen so far. Yes. But like what I was just thinking through that conversation is that like I bet, you know, Nintendo's got their data, they have numbers. They're like, well, it's a it's about like what Mario Kart does. I just don't think they see the potential of Smash. Right. You know, you just you make Mario Kart, you know, you put out some DLC later, it's done, you know? And I just I don't think like <laughs> I don't think they see that this could have life. It could be played for years and years if you commit to your community. And, I mean, this sounds, like, shady and sketchy, but, like, adding skins, adding unlocks, looking at, like, doing, Fortnite. Doing best, like, adding of, taunts, adding, like, like stickers, you know? It's, it's one thing to give counterexamples from outside of Nintendo, but then you look at something like Splatoon, mm -hmm. which has done such yes. a great job great. of yeah. being a living thing. This, yep. and, and that's a brand new thing that they really fostered and gave continual updates to. They really engaged with people. Uh, they gave... Just these timely events are so much fun and so creative and so fitting of the game's personality. And it's like, Smash Brothers, this thing that has been a titan for years, like, let's... Let's do things. We we live in a time. We live in a society. We live in a time where like, just having dumb things for a weekend or or challenges or whatever it is or just stealth dropping stuff uh, can generate a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement. I think the audience would super 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 appreciate it. Um, at the same time, though, Sakurai is a crazy person. I say that the good way. Yes, yes. I say that with. <laughs> the utmost love and respect where it's like for whatever things we're hammering on like that man will put things in his game that no one else would even think of yeah and like those games just have this fingerprint on them that is undeniable and and part of me for as easy it is it is to hammer on all of these things that smash isn't doing or could be doing or could be like other games I think the reason why people care so much is because of that fingerprint, is because of that that inherent weirdness in Smash. Yeah. Um, like, even just the new items and how goofy they are. Um, Banana gun. Right. Banana gun! <laughs> That's just a new thing in Smash. Who thought of that? Um, yeah, I... I, I 
I don't know. It, I don't think it would be worth the trade-off of, of losing that sure. that identity. I hear what I guess, you mean. But it's hard. Do we have anything else we want to say on Smash, Kyle? So much more, but I know we should move on. Okay. <laughs> Jones! Yeah! <laughs> talk to me about a game that's been consuming your time. Ooh. Just Cause 4. Just Cause is a series that I will continue to play no matter what it does. <laughs> I don't care. That's a great thesis. I don't care. I don't care how good these games are. I don't care how much I care about the story. I don't care what new features they add. What's going to happen? I'm going to keep playing them because it's just, I love open world games and I miss, you know what Just Cause reminds me of that I miss that like I'm not expecting to get another one, but I really loved both of the prototype games last oh, sure. gen. Mm-hmm. And it, because there's just no open world games, Spider-Man, you can move fast, but like you can fly and Just Cause, like, you, you just move to areas so quickly and there's this one move that you couldn't do until Just Cause 3 and it returns in 4 um, that every time I do, it's like, ugh, it's like I have a lot of critiques. I have a lot of issues with Just Cause 4, but it's like it makes its case every single time I do this. And that's uh, I've just completed this objective somewhere in a base. And then they're like, now go to the other side of the base, you know, 500 yards away and now op- operate this terminal. And I'll find the tallest building, zoom, like, uh, you know, uh, target the, the edge of the roof, fly up go into my um, parachute, and then when I get a really good thing of momentum, switch into the wingsuit. And with the span of four seconds, I'm flying now. Like, I, like I've... And it just feels so good the way he wingsuits around. And one of my issues with Just Cause 4 is every time I'm like, yeah, but this game just feels so good. It's like, it feels just as good as it did in Just Cause 3. There's nothing... Nothing they really added specifically to the wingsuit and the um, and the umbrella, or in the uh, parachute. But uh, just, that, just that feeling of, like, this world is my oyster. I can access it any way that I want. And I think that's one of the issues that I have with Just Cause as a whole is whenever I go to preview events, or when I went to preview events specifically for 3 and 4, they were like, look what a playground this is. Look at the stuff you can do. Like, I can put all these air balloons on this tank, and now I'm flying this tank. And it's like, that's cool. Why? Why would I do that? Like, why would I? I just have a rocket launcher on me. I'll use my rocket launcher. Like, why, why would I set up this elaborate thing, like, to uh, complete the objective so I think there's this kind of confusion with what the game wants you to do when it presents these very difficult objectives. Like one of the main least favorite things to do in Just Cause 4, it was so frustrating. Is it's like, protect this tower. Here's eight helicopters. And it's like, I can't, like I have no weapon that can destroy eight helicopters at once. So I'm going to fight one helicopter and the other seven are going to blow the tower up. And I'm like, what the hell was I supposed to do there? And like, sometimes I'll just luck out. Like things will, bad AI will crash into each other or like I'll just happen to be looking in the right direction to see when the drones show up. But like part of that game is like very hard, very chaotic, like like lots of targets, lots of stuff going on. Um, you know, very tough enemies. They added some crazy armored enemies this time, like some crazy like rockets or lightning guns that like two of these shots and you're out. And then you see the demos and it's like, well, I'm going to put a grapple here and I'm going to do a thing here. It's like, I don't have time for that. Like I, I, I cannot play the game that way. And like weather's a big thing. And when you finally overcome the like the tower that creates... Uh, um, tornadoes, the tower that creates lightning storms, the tower that creates sandstorms, you gain the ability to create them yourself. Cool. And every time I did, it sounds cool, but it every sounds- time I did that, I was like, For why? You know, it's just like, it's neat, but it's like, I just don't, that to me is not getting at like the best I could do to accomplish. I would just be purely goofing around. I wouldn't do that to like do anything, to get Drop an achievement or to. Guns. Um, you can, you have to do it from a specific spot and then steer it like it like oh. it's not something I can just be like at out of nowhere tornado here you know oh, okay. it's like you, you have to you. it's a whole process right. to like get it going and so 
I feel bad. It's like one of those games where, and I'm sure you've you play games with very complicated systems, Ben, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you felt that before, where you're like. I can tell the game is nudging me to try this stuff out, but I just don't care. Like, I'm just, I'm like, I want to complete these objectives. I want to blow this base up. I'm going to bring my favorite rocket launcher, my favorite assault rifle, and then that's my favorite experience. Like, that's the best way, I think, to play this. And yeah. it is fun to make stuff go airborne or, or you know, blow stuff up in a different way. But uh, ultimately, think, ultimately, I'm going to use the most effective thing every time. I think there are two design good design ways to fight against that and i think of like divinity original sin 2 where it's like okay you the odds are going to be stacked against you you're going to be entering this fight where if you don't get creative you will lose um and i like that where it's like okay i really have to explore everything i have oh i just will not get through this at all i love that or i think of like devil may cry where it's like okay you can't you can get through this and do badly but you're going to get less of the thing that allows you to buy more skills. So if you want new moves and that's an area that you're interested in exploring in, do better. Like yeah. the, the where it's like not necessarily always forcing you to engage with everything that you need to everything that's possible, but if you do kind of stretch your limits, you will be rewarded for it. And it doesn't sound like just cause does either of those things. Well, there's one thing that I, I'm I'm noticing a lot more. I didn't notice in the review process because I, I got the game like a day and a half early so I did play a little bit of it before people really had a time to come in and and do cool stuff because I had better gear at the time and it'll track your various achievements like holding feats you know like how high you've climbed an elevation just using the wingsuit and the grapple and it'll note like your friends did this and then when you log in it's like oh your friend beat your time like they've fallen farther faster than you have or whatever and it's kind of an aside thing it's like you can track these if you want and I almost feel like this should be bigger. Like, this should be a really big part of that. You should be encouraging me. How many balloons have you attached to one vehicle? It's like, oh, yeah, then I'll do it. You know, then I'll mm-hmm. be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I'm curious just to do that, just to goof around. But, like, again, I'm not going to do that to take a base because I'm going to fail. Because it's just, you, know, you, you specifically, I get a sense that they thought just because three was too easy. And so they're like, we really want to throw the kitchen sink at you when, you know, when the alarm goes off. And there's, like, drones, man. They're just, they're so fast. It's really hard to shoot them in the air. And it's not a matter of, like, this one drone is doing so much damage to me. Like, there's eight other things shooting at me at the same time. And, like, I really got to focus on targets and stuff. And the main issue that I have with the fact that it's hard to figure out what what's most important and what I really should be using to achieve what I want to in this game is the fact that it seems like the grapple stuff in the physics is really all they focused on in this sequel to make it better than two or three. And so many things not only got left behind, but are like worse than anything I've seen this gen. The story is really bad. Oh. The visuals, the character models are probably the worst I've seen in an open world game on, on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. Like it's just, just, Jones. just, like, and it's not the thing where it's like, whoa, your design is way off. Like, they clearly didn't care. They clearly were like, eh, whatever. Like, it's just, I, I just don't care. Like, you see hair textures, like, ha- like people's hair and di- like outside, inside, different lighting looks totally different. Like, one guy has like a gray beard in one scene and a black beard in another scene. Like, <laughs> like one guy's hair looks like just wood shavings. Like, it's just, and it's it's just clear. Like, we, we just we don't care. Like, we start the game and it's like, here's your nemesis. I'm like, sweet. I saw her again in a cutscene at the very end. <laughs> it's like, cool. And like at the preview event, they were like. 
she's like kind of the anti Rico Rodriguez, and I was like, oh sweet, like, so she's like what like if we're gonna have a around the world? I'm like, what if I'm gonna have like a that? grapple battle with yes. her? You know, or like, yeah. or like, what if like grapple a, battle? Yes, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where like I can see her on the map. You know, yeah. like she's chasing me. You know, we're like, I'll be in the middle of a mission, and it's like she's showed up. Like, oh no, you know, like Darth Vader has entered the battlefield. Like, yeah. oh shit, like I should wrap it up or get out of here or something. And no, it's just it's like they're very clearly we want this to be a sandbox playground. Not going to focus on the story. Not going to make these characters written better. Not going to... I really think if anyone from the team or anyone at Square Enix is listening to this podcast, just go full Saints Row. Just make yeah. this goofy. Stop I it with this. I 100% agree with you. Like, Rico, your dad was in, involved in this project and your parents... I, re- I don't care. I really, really don't care. Like, I'm interested maybe to learn more and I'm kind of curious to see where this is going, but like, I... I'm not emotionally involved in Rico Rodriguez, especially when, like, I think a different voice actor's played him in every single game. Maybe the guy from 3 went to 4, but the guy in 1 was not the guy in 2, and the guy in 2 was not the guy in 3. And it's like, yeah, I don't have any attachment, really, like, to the story or what's going on. Whereas if it had, it was just more playful, super goofy. Like, I don't know if there's something other than than Saints Row, not like Crackdown, but, like, just make it, just totally make this make sense. Just have it, have all the stuff that you're talking about actually help me in the game beyond like that was cool you know and it's just there's just a lot of that and it's when you see so many other things in the game fall so far behind it it's it's weird it's an interesting just because four is an, and i don't know if I, I can word this in the review which hopefully will be coming soon i finished it late last night uh but it's, it's one of those clear games where it was enough you know where like they didn't i don't think the developers like will listen to my review and be like oh he didn't like the visuals like they know like you yeah. must you clearly have to know that this is just off graphically cutscenes when they start. Like there was one conversation, two people are in an elevator. I don't know if you know, like in a lot of games, this is not like crazy behind the scenes gaming insight, but like a lot of cutscenes won't actually switch between two cameras. That camera will move, you know, like it'll actually boom, 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 back and forth. And just the transition is one frame long, so you can't see it. Your brain just doesn't recognize it. And like it's so apparent. Like it's there's ten frames of like you know, there's like, whoa, in between every edit of this cutscene, like something happening, you know, and like and like I'll arrive at a spot and hit a button and then that'll load a cutscene and then we'll get in a van and drive off. And then the next thing I see is not me in that van, it's me pressing the button for like a second and then it loads the next cutscene. It's just like little polished things there that they clearly were like, we're not gonna bother. <laughs> yeah. Because the people that like just cause three are gonna buy this, you know, like we'll get enough of the audience back. To enjoy this, Man. and at the end of the day, when you're in it and you things blow, every time something blows up, it's like, oh, that's gorgeous, right there, <laughs> you know. But like, when at the same time, when I'm zooming towards a building or or a, uh, a mountain with trees on it, it never stops spawning stuff ever. It's just trees, 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 shadow, shadow, shadows. Like, it's so weird. Like, there's where I saw somebody uh, weird glitch. I saw somebody had a similar glitch in Fallout 76, where like there was a light source underneath the earth that was coming up through the earth. Yeah. But like I could see the source. Like, what am I looking at? And like I was just in a, a parachute for a while, staring at, it, trying to get a, get a good shot. And it's just like that. Might, they must have seen that. <laughs> they must have known that was there. But they're like, we if we're going to a preview event, we're showing this game off. We need to focus on. Look, you can put balloons on stuff. You can, <laughs> you know, you can add boosters to stuff. You can control things, and there's that a, is cool. There's like, a tornado. There's a ton of customization with. Uh, the the grappling equipment that you have and I think they wanted me to play with it a lot and I'm not I just can customize it to exactly what I want it to be so it's like when I put a thing on here I want it to like a a booster I want it to activate when I tap up on the d-pad I can also hold it if I want to I can also have it trigger automatically when it goes I want it to be fast or slow when it ends I want it to explode or separate the things so it's neat to like really drill into those abilities 
and know like left and right on the D-pad just cycles between my different whether it's a balloon or whether it like pulls things together. So that's fun and yeah. and and appreciated, but it's just not not enough to carry this 20, 30 hour open world game. I feel like you're coming at it, Brandon, from this perspective where, you know, you open this conversation of like, listen, no matter what they do, I'm in. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of it like, wow, the most damning thing here, like, okay, you know, the, the tone that they're trying to go for doesn't really mesh with the best part of this game. But when you say like, man... The coolest stuff I'm doing, I felt like I could do in Just Cause 3, and the biggest new additions are not that exciting. Like, from my perspective, it's like, well, I'll just go play Just Cause 3, and it's way cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> like, what... If you really have a craving for it, like, uh, 3's just better. It just looks better. Um, the, the wingsuit... There's no hook The wingsuit's the reason not to go as far back to 2. Also, it's, it's last gen. Um, but 2 is still my favorite in the series. But um, it's... Yeah, it's a bummer. It's like... it. I think it's kind of too late. Like, they've really established the style and the story and these characters, and I think they're going to stick to it, you know, if they, they move on to make other Just Cause games. But there's one tier of quests you can do in the game where you're going through um, old archaeological digs, and there are these giant Raiders of the Lost Ark balls that you have to, like, direct through a puzzle to get to it. So it's like a big game of miniature golf. And it's like, this is all I should be doing. <laughs> this should be everything. Yeah, that's you know? cool, and like, dude. There's, one, uh, there's a side mission where you're helping a, a director finish a movie, and so you have to do a bunch of stunts. And like, half of them are kind of dumb, but half of them, again, are like, this is should be everything right, right. here. You know, it's like these missions where it's like, oh, just go in and blow up that base. It's like, that's what I'm doing the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And just this whole thing should be goofy and weird and should be throwing crazy ideas at me, you know, like... Um, even just trying out new vehicles. There was one where I'm like driving this giant truck through a a, a, a um, um, refinery, and it's just like, oh, neat! Like the, you're making me use this weird big vehicle just for the sign. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I could go on and on and on. It's just it's it's frustrating because it's so different and so unique. And there's for somebody who plays a ton of open world games, there's just nothing like it. And it's it's a bummer to see. I don't know if they wanted to rush it out before the end of the gen or. If they were just... Before if, the end of the year, if, certainly. Yeah, if somebody just came yeah. in and they're like, we do not need to spend more money on this game. We just don't. Because yeah. I, I opened this by saying, I'm going to buy it anyway. You know, and like, I did get the code for review, but like, I would probably pick this game up at the end of the year or next year, if not. And um, and I'll play Just Cause 5. You know, even after like being dismayed with a lot of the stuff that uh, was in this game, uh, I'll, you know, I'll pick up 5 and devour it. When I think, you know, somebody who is so supportive of the franchise i think when the the best response that you can sum up is is a lukewarm one do you worry that there's not going to be a just cause five like these these things don't just happen and it's coming out at a pretty crowded time four was so quick after three though yeah four was just like automated i was like when they announced four i was like really yeah (laughs) like wow three just happened like oh okay yeah and i was like you can't like what's the new thing and they're like weather oh that's the other thing they're like weather and i was like oh 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 that's really neat like earth coming at you cool yeah uh i flew into two sandstorms just because they were there like in the desert and i was like oh okay cool like it's hard to see rico walks slowly if he's on the ground if you bring up your parachute it'll just throw you in whatever direction never encountered a tornado or a lightning storm until i did the mission to stop them 
Like a tornado was not a thing. <laughs> in the game. I could see it. I could be like, oh, the tornado's over there. It's on the box. But I was never like, no, the tornado. You know, and like you, you boot up the game and it's like just cause four, lightning storm. Right. Yeah. Like you want it to be I like never, a constant threat. I never found them. I didn't know yeah. where to find lightning storms. Like it wasn't at the you know. It should be nemesis. It should be like yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. could pop into any mission and ruin your mission. Yeah. yeah. And, or and, or like we were saying with that, um uh with like the Assassin's Creed bounties, like the you know, like the hunters, these people are like, going after you. Yeah. If I stay too long in one place and you can see it in the distance, like oh, okay. I gotta wrap this up because like mm-hmm. here comes the storm. Yeah. I mean you just compare it to something like Red Dead, where you're saying with these these weather effects, you're not the kind of player that jumps from just objective to objective. Like you'll go and you'll explore a world and you, they just felt almost non-existent. Whereas in Red Dead, like the game can convince me that when I head off toward an objective, anything could happen. Like, yeah. I don't know who I'm going to run into. I don't know what the situation is going to be. It, it can be that convincing. Of course, you see the same kind of stuff pop up, but there's enough variety that is exciting to explore. And it seems like Just Cause 4 just lacks that surprise completely. And, and that's the thing. Is It's another thing, too. It's unfair, and, and they, put, they put themselves in the situation. But to go from Far Cry to then Spider-Man right. to then Odyssey to then Red Dead to this is like oof this genre's moved ahead you guys like there's mm-hmm. and and that doesn't mean that you need to have all the dialogue options that this has or all of the you know boat combat or any crazy stuff that Odyssey has or you know the the, the fluid movement and and brand recognition that you get with something like Spider-Man or um even like the AI and stuff that was added to Far Cry do what you do best like but make these fun things essential and part of the experience and not just like Something like fun I can do when I'm goofing off. It's just like the goof off period. Like I goof off a lot when I play uh, GTA. Like a- any session, I'll usually like save the game and then just goof off for 20 minutes. But that's after spending four hours, you know, going through the story and playing those moments and, and unlocking the coolest stuff. And so it's. I think d- developers are just thinking like the goof off stuff is what they're really going to want to do. And it's like it's just a shame it's not helping me at all actually get through this game. I think about Bulletstorm. Uh, because I don't like what Bulletstorm does either. Uh, basically, it rewards you for doing creative things with points. And so you're not playing the game right unless you're like using anti-grav and kicking people into cactuses. Yeah. Uh, cacti, pardon me. Uh, but like, even that's the opposite of this, right? Like, what, if you attach balloons to tanks, you would get more points. I still don't think that's the solution. I feel like kicking somebody in the cactus has to be the best way to kill somebody. You know, attaching the balloons has to be the best way to take out a tank for you to be incentivized properly to do it. Well, I think it's, well, that's because, like, again, just setting up the story. I don't know if this is a game you can spoil. I don't think it's possible. But, like, just setting it up. Like, Rico's dad is involved in this process. He's trying to take down this huge tower of this guy who's subjecting his people. uh, These people are this... The people of Solis are just being screwed by this weather. Like, it's just making problems everywhere. And so you're coming in to, like, to destroy this. And in Just Cause 1 and 2, you were just a lone gun just kicking someone's ass. And that just felt yeah. so good. It was mm-hmm. like, I kind of like not having any connection to this guy. I kind of like some dictator being like, who is this Rico jerk? What did I ever do to this guy? And it's like, yeah. I'm just going to make your life a living hell. So, like, I would love it if Just Cause 5 was just like, I'm not only going to roll in and destroy your army and and take all of your money and just stop all of your plans, but I'm going to put balloons on your tanks because screw you. Yeah. You know, like, if it has yes, that dude. vibe. Yes. Then, like, if I can, if literally, like, I can hear, like, the AI of, like, he put a balloon on my tank. What the hell? You know, yeah. like, if you're, if the game is aware that I'm being weird, it's just, 
it's just you. It's just you as a player. And that seems so, it's like, you're going to go rescue my dad from that prison. Thank you, Rico. It's like, yeah, now I'm going to put balloons on tanks. It just, it's a, it doesn't seem to mesh. It's like, make, you know, either make it a serious campaign and then give me those rewarding cutscenes, or make it goofy and then make the, the, the wacky stuff I'm doing fit more into the gameplay, but don't try to do both at the same time. Sure, sure. I, that's why I liked the three character system of Grand Theft Auto V so much, because when I was the most ridiculous was when I was playing as Trevor, yeah. because it felt like that was appropriate for him. And I, I, I wish more open world games would do that, where it's like, here's this spectrum of personality, and just by in, inhabiting that character, your playstyle will change as a result. I think that's really cool. Also, Just Cause 2 had a insane, I never played it, but had an insane 64-player mod on PC. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I was like, oh, and then when Just Cause 3 got announced, it was like, oh, man, they're going to have a multiplayer thing. Nope. And then 4, I was like, okay, maybe, no, okay. And like, yeah, next weird. gen, do it. Like, that's, oh, this game co-op? There you go. Like, yeah. now we're talking. That's a stream. Like, that's a big, big deal. Uh, so for the last episode, Kyle and Brandon, we mm -hmm. did not have a forbidden word because it was Thanksgiving time oh, and nice. the demons were giving us some time off, but, yeah. uh, they are buckling down a little bit and they're like, Hey, it's not Christmas yet. Mm -hmm. And the word today that got them all riled up. Cacti. Oh, <laughs> you should have just said cactus. We almost slipped oh. through. We almost slipped through. Kyle. Oh, Kyle got us at the end there. Mm. Um, we've been doing a lot of uh, discussions for Hotake, but I do I do like to mix things up uh, and and go back and forth between things. We're doing a game today. Cool. And it'll be a different kind of game than what we've done before, but it's pretty simple, pretty easy to understand. Uh, I thought in the spirit of Smash, it should be Smash themed. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is I've got five words here th that describe uh, a characteristic and attribute of a character in Smash Brothers. Okay? Oh. I've got three of them for each character. I think they get increasingly obvious okay. uh, for each character. All right. And you can, either one of you can jump in and say the character. That's mm -hmm. kind of you, Ben. <laughs> and I will, uh, I will, uh, I'll, I'll say the first description, the first characteristic, and then the second one, and then whenever you know it, just jump in. Okay. Okay? Are we ready? Yes. The first character, the first word, parasol. Peach. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Wow, alright, this might be rough. <laughs> okay. Next character. Mm -hmm. Red tie. Donkey Kong. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. Alright, number three. Striped shirt. Baseball bat. Uh, Ness. Yes. Nice, nice. We got to the second one that time. Blue and pink. Brother and sister. Ice climbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Brandon, I didn't know I'm they were sorry. brother and sister in lore. I'm sorry. I'm that, so no, sorry. no, no, that's fine. I'm did, proud of Kyle. I want think, this for Kyle. Did you think they were lovers? No, I just thought they were, like, you know, working buddies, man. They're ice climbers. It's their well, job. They could have been work buddies. You're right. You're yeah. right. That could have been working buddies. Okay. Brother well, and sister and a mutual interest in climbing? Doesn't always happen. <laughs> Jones, this, Jones, this last one is a give me. Uh, for this one, please let me read all three words okay, okay. before okay. answering. All right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Jones take the first Don't, shot at Oh, it. what are you doing to me? Take the first crack at all this right. one, Jones. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, Jones's favorite character. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Why not Animal Crossing? <laughs> right. Rage. What, Simon Belmont? That's my favorite character in the game. You mean like... My favorite. Jones, this is a troll. Oh, Just okay. Wanna, oh Yoshi. Okay. Yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs> 
Jones's favorite character. Why not Animal Crossing? <laughs> Rage. Because there are Animal Crossing characters in Smash. So I got yeah. confused as well. Jones, they even add a. They have like a, a craft Yoshi's Crafting World version of Yoshi in this game. You could play as like the fuzzy I version of him. I didn't know that. That's so yeah. great. It's just like his eighth all. Smash really is the cool. best thing to happen to Animal yeah. Crossing in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> Damiani. It's true. <laughs> I hope that's in the review. It better be in that review. Put in the review. Uh, okay, Kyle. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a sweep. Yeah, you, you you crushed that. Uh, that game was not nearly as fair as it should have been. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't no. have to be told something is a troll. It's a troll. <laughs> no, no, no. But like Red Tie, Jones could Jones had equal crack at Red Tie. You know what I mean? Man, Do Jones knows who Donkey Kong is. There's over 70 characters, man. I but just, you know who Donkey is. Like, I know, so but Pee Wee Herman first popped into my head. <laughs> when I was thinking of Pee Wee Herman, you were thinking of Donkey Kong. That's the difference. Just Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> It's not a Nintendo character. It's it's not, but I am grasping, yeah, you know, yeah, in my yeah. brain. I get it, yeah. And my brain offers up things. It mm -hmm. goes into a little chest and hands something. No, not that next. And I was on the next So what did you think of when Kyle you were at Par it. Parasol? What, what came to mind? Mary Poppins. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ice Climbers are brother and sister, yeah. Yes. That's, that's correct. Oh, and, uh, you know, uh, Splatoon, of all things, because there is an umbrella weapon in Splatoon. Oh, yeah. So it was like the next thing that I got to, and I was like, no. <laughs> Kyle, you have you have won the right to break us out of the frame trap dimension mm -hmm. using a gesture or some sort of action that you think is powerful enough to get us out of here. What is that going to be? So I always think these are really cool in movies. The weird things that like uh, cat burglars put on a window, <laughs> and then it stretches out, and then just like a just a laser circle. Yes. You know, it's like a it's like a suction cup on a window, laser circle, and then you just peel the window off. Mm -hmm. And that happened in a video game that I was streaming once, and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if those are real, chat? And then people in the chat <laughs> are saying like, Kyle, those are real. real. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to use one of those right now. <laughs> This is the very first time we've not broken out of the dimension. Oh! We're no, still in. No, oh. <laughs> you got caught there. That yeah. dog got me. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, you always go above and beyond with breaking us out of the frame trap realm, mm -hmm. and I want to commend you. I was so excited about the game today, I wanted to get right into it, but we also have another exciting part of this segment. The best part. The best part, and that is the sponsors. We're going to read through these guys really quick, give them some shout-out for supporting the show. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors. Our first one is Greg the Dark Knight Kettering. Thank you, Greg. Next, we've got Zoteg, who is uh, doing a call-out for people to play with in Final Fantasy XIV. Hi, allies. With the hype train approaching for Final Fantasy XIV's Shadowbringers pulling out of the station, I wanted to send out an invite to any allies on the Matthias server or Greater Ether Data Center to join our free company or cross-world link shell. If you're on Matthias, search me up at Sophia. Braxish, I'll have that on the screen so you know how to spell it. Uh, search for Zofia Braxish on weeknights around 7 central time. We'll have a cross-world private party finder with the password 2016. Ah, of course. 
Whether you're just starting out in Eorzea or have been playing for years, let's get ready for Shadowbringers together. That's that, a good use of sponsorship. That is. I love that. Yes. Why 2016? Uh, so he had another password last time, uh-huh. but I guess it didn't work. And so it, I, I think it needed to be numbers. Yeah. And so he, I don't know. Okay. Maybe that's celebrating when we formed. Oh. Uh, yeah. One of my happiest memories in the history of Easy Allies was when we were, uh, when I was playing 14 with Damiani for a little bit, and uh, we were in the, the Easy Allies link shell. So it said Easy Allies by my name. And uh, I was just in an area leveling up, and somebody came up to me and like went to trade. And I was like, oh. And they like gave me a couple items. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, random, thanks. And they were like, love and respect. And I ran away. I was like, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's just giving you. Were some you stuff. weren't streaming? No, I was just playing. That's really. That's cool. both like awesome and a little terrifying. Nah, yeah. I think that's awesome. That's just great. Yeah, yeah. just there's like oh, saw the name. Spies. Yeah, walked away. <laughs> Our next sponsor is JoJo's Dent Co. Thank you, JoJo's Dent Co. Next we have oh yes, cool, great, always fun to say, and thank you for your support. After all, yes, cool, great. We've got blue. Thank you, blue. Finally, for the regular sponsors, we have Alex AI, SRPG Enthusiast, always recommending great games that you should check out. This week, he says, craving some high-quality German SRPG after the BB episode of Easy Update? <laughs> Download Divinity Original Sin 2, support the allies, and enjoy. Yes, Divinity Original Sin 2 is quite excellent. Much more interested now that I know it's German. <laughs> Didn't even know before. German SRPG. The there's top a ten German SRPGs. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like the difference is like there's gonna be like more folklore into it. I, I, that's just the impression I get. It's, it's just like what? Now every yes. time I hear the word folklore, yeah. I'm gonna picture Some Kyle Bossman doing, a wave, just doing like this. Little yeah. Hansel yeah. Gretel, little folklore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's some of the German SRPG <laughs> flavor. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you know what's just as exciting as folklore? Hmm. Mega sponsors! Our mega sponsor is the one and only Jigarbob Productions, who would like to tell us about his experience with a particular game. He says, I heard a lot of good things about Hyperlight Drifter, so I finally picked it up. While I loved the combat and exploration of it, I wasn't a fan of the extremely vague and incoherent story that put the bow on this adventure. It reeked of one of those stories trying way too hard to be artsy and forcing you to interpret tiny snippets. That can work. Hollow Knight was pretty vague too, but it actually made sense. I still had no idea what was going on after credits rolled in Hyperlight Drifter. It made me sad because it was such a good game otherwise. I think that's nice. And I like having the, the comparison. I always love a comparison. Mm-hmm. Whenever somebody's critiquing something and they're like, I didn't think it worked in this game, give me an example of where it did. That'll help me understand where you're coming from. Yeah. What a thing to do with a sponsorship Using those slot, sponsorship though. dollars, man. <laughs> just do this, doing the same thing we are, just trying to get our opinions out in the world, trying yeah. to make games better, you know? Reeked, though. Easy Ally sponsorships, <laughs> make them work for you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Reeked. <laughs> Uh, I would like to talk about a game that <laughs> is still a stone cold classic. Ooh. Okay. That I have played through the new version. I've played oh. Katamari Damashi Reroll. Also downloading on my Switch right stone now. Stone cold classic. <laughs> it is it is. It is it is, it is, a, it is a stone cold. cold classic. I mean classic. It was it was great on the PS2. It is great now. Uh I will say this, I will get this out of the way. I played it on PC. Mm-hmm. It looks nicer. 
Oh, that, sure. That's about it. Oh. Oh, you mean in terms of differences? Yeah. In terms of what re-rolled means? Yes. Gotcha, it, is, yeah. it is not like this super elaborate, hey, here's all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Give us 30 bucks. I will say, though, despite there not being these these crazy differences or, or a lot of extra value... Um, that game's ideas stand up on its own. And I think, I think a lot of people like rightfully kind of focus on how delightfully weird it is. Um, just the cutscenes with, with the children, um, the King of all cosmos, the prince, um, just, it's like, oh man, sit down and have this bizarre time. But once you really dig into the game, you, you realize how, genius the level design is um and how well the game just kind of teaches you naturally and it creates this balance between kind of this super easygoing thing that's not so easygoing that it it like you don't need to think at all um i don't i didn't have to like replay any stages whatsoever it's not a challenging game but it does just kind of slowly evolve in this great way and when they do decide to mix it up um, like later on, you'll get challenges where it's like, okay, this will stop when you roll up one bear, get the largest bear. And so this entire game where uh, you've spent trying to make the biggest ball possible, right? Uh, you are now trying to avoid everything and it's just a completely different sensation. And if that doesn't sound fun to you, you can just roll and get the nearest bear and be done with it and move on with your life. Um, or you can treat it like a super fun challenge where you kind of get to decide the limit. Uh, and it is just a blast. It has one of the best soundtracks in video games ever. (laughs) Uh, the soundtrack is just so all over the place, but beautiful. Um, and yeah, it, I feel like it actually really has something to say too about like so these these cutscenes you have this this son this this mother and this son and daughter and they're kind of trying they're looking for their father who's going up to the moon and like the son is like hey do you see that do you see this crazy thing and the mom is like no 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 um and when you're playing Katamari, like you're rolling up these buildings, these animals, these people, and for the most part, until they get rolled up, like nobody really seems to mind. Yeah. And so it's just kind of, I think, I don't know, this is my interpretation of it. I'm not saying this is correct, but like, you know, being willing to embrace the ridiculousness, not, not, not like encountering things in life and not being like, no, that's stupid. That can't exist. Like having a little bit of that child in you and being like, so, you know what, maybe you're right. Maybe that is possible. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I just think Katamari works on so many levels and it's like this, this, I don't know, maybe six hours experience that you play through it and you're like, I will never play anything like that again. It's like singular. It's so good. It borrows nothing from anyone. Yeah, <laughs> like, it doesn't. There's no, there's nothing in Katamari that you're like, ah, okay, I can see the natural thread yeah. leading right. into this game. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm downloading a reroll. I can't wait to play it. I actually played a lot of Forever. Was that on PS3? Whatever the PS3 Katamari was. Katamari for. It was one of the first things I nabbed yes. when I did my first pass through the PS Now uh, uh, items that oh, were available. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, no brainer. Let's, yes, right now I can be playing the Katamari in 20 seconds. Let's do it. Uh, and it's just so bonkers. And I think if, if you actually, I never really thought about this before, Ben, but if you really want to like look into Katamari for meaning, I think it, it also kind of talks about equality in a sense because it's like you, you value these balls that you make. He's like, go find these things. And at the end, it's like, oh, what's in here? And just just seeing this image of just like dogs and cats and people and, you know, umbrellas and 
giant cruise ships and just everything all just kind of being mashed together just makes you feel like like you're saying embrace the chaos of life you right. know like embrace the fact that we're all made of the same stuff and we're all potentially going to the same place and and you know someday life you know some giant ball is going to come by roll you up and what are you gonna do about it <laughs> i don't know it's fun yeah i, I do definitely Great think Great uh, there are a lot of specific series. things in katamari that that emphasize uh equality as you were saying um and we were talking before about like games motivating you to do well and like Katamari works on both levels because when the king of all cosmos insults you he's like well if it was us we would have made it better or like really it's that small it's just completely pitiful like you do kind of want to do better you don't just want to get the minimum you want to see how crazy you can roll it but also if you do suck and fail and the king of all cosmos is insulting you that's fun too and so it kind of uh, works both ways in a really delightful way and just like I don't know how that game handles scale because you you start in like this single room and you're rolling up just the tiniest things like pins and buttons and then it just slowly builds and then you're in a you're in like a town and you're just rolling around there and then it's like nope now you're just basically rolling all over and you're like rolling up clouds and it's just such a satisfying thing it's not like you know, the first level, you're in a room, and then the second level, you're rolling up clouds. It really kind of just takes you on this journey throughout the whole game uh, that is super, super fun. And I'm a sucker for that stuff. Uh, Dragon Quest was one of my last little nice uh, infusions of that. When you go to the overworld, and then when you eventually get to fly, and, like, fly, it was kind of like Peter Pan at Disneyland, where, like, I'm flying over areas, and I'm like, oh, I've been to that town, you know? And it's it's not one-to-one. It's not actually that I flew up, you know, and uh, and saw it slowly shrinking. But, like, that is kind of an impression of, like, what that area would look like. Love that stuff. And so it's neat to, like, be rolling back around, and then you're like, what is this pool? And, like, oh, it's the swimming pool. Oh, okay. And run over everybody. Like, right. Yeah, it's great. It's fun to see that world grow. Yeah. Um, it... It always is hard, I think, when it comes to remasters like this, where I I believe in the game so much, and I love the game so much, and I think it's worthy of everybody's time. And it's like, if you haven't played this, please use this as an excuse to check it out um, and, and experience the joy that is Katamari. But at the same time, it's like... If you've played the first Katamari, if you still have your copy lying around, if you have a PS2 easily accessible, like, is this really worth it? I don't know. Um, especially with so many other things to play. Like, it's it's still just as good as it's always been, but I don't know if there's enough in the remaster to really warrant it. And sometimes I'm, I'm unsure on where to fall when it comes to that critical line of, of like, what things do we focus on since this technically isn't new uh, in a lot of ways. But... I don't know. I think it's worth thirty dollars. I'll tell you that. I like having Despite it on a Switch, super short length because it is kind of a, just one more, ch- one more chance, one more time kind yeah. of a game. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to have something that I can play for five minutes, or I can be like, oh, let me go back to that mission because I know to run up on the table next time and not go around the floor too so much. And you learn like, okay, I, you know, I that's where all the good tiny stuff is right at the beginning, and so I can get you know my Katamari bigger. And um, I just think it's a, a great game to have in that library. I'm, I'm so satisfied with my library right yeah. now on Switch as far yeah, as like man. stuff like Smash that I'm really committed to, I want to get better at, I want to challenge myself while I'm playing it. Stuff like Katamari Diablo that's just like, or Pokemon that's like, whatever. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I play five minutes, play for an hour. You know, t- uh, happy both ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I did not play it on Switch, and I wonder how much that would add to it. I think just playing in handheld mode adds a lot. 
Um, seeing how it works with the Joy-Cons would be a lot. But yeah, yeah playing it on PC. The, there is one really weird thing about the PC version. When you start the game, it booted in 720p. And I was like, I was playing in this little window on my on my monitor, and I was like, "No, this we, we're not doing this." And like, I hit start. I went to, to see if there was like some configuration launcher. I didn't find anything. I couldn't change the resolution of the game until I got past the tutorial and got to like the little hub planet. Now, granted. That didn't take very long. Right. I don't want to sit here and say, like, oh, this this damned my entire experience. It totally didn't. But just that initial impression was really bizarre and disorienting. Weird oversight, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it ended up being fine in the end, and you could you could change all that stuff, and it was fine. But yeah, Katamari, if you haven't played it, please play it. Please, I haven't played it. Play it. Unique. Yeah. For sure. Frustrating Damn controls. Such. Deserves to be said. It's not you. <laughs> if you're just getting into Katamari now and you're like, what yeah. the... It's kind of a little like this. You know, like... Sure, sure. You know, patting your head and rubbing your tummy at the same time. Uh, but intentionally so. Like, it does... Look, like when you bump into something or you're like, I can't get through this table. It's like... That's they, what the game they is, They kind of right? want you to be in this situation. Yeah. Because once you get that flow and you know that right. route and you do it, it's like, okay, it is possible. Um, but I, I remember the first time I like, played Katamari, I was like, this game's broken. This is ridiculous. I think I played through, through, uh, 361 was my first one. Yeah, I, like, I think what am I, missing I think Katamari does an excellent job of of controlling well enough that you don't hate it, but also really making it feel like you're rolling this giant ball as this tiny prince that you barely have any control over. Like it just it just fits for what it's going for so well. Um, the biggest tip I can give though, and and I don't know if people do this enough is when you're rolling like let's say you run into a wall or something catches you off guard do the jump where you flip to the other side do like the yeah. quick turn like just abuse that yep. and it'll be a lot easier you'll be able to reorient yourself a lot more quickly if you're, <laughs> if you're the prince doesn't that. talk to which makes you getting made fun of by the king so yes. much funnier yes 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 that he's just like wow you suck and i wouldn't have, i would have made this much bigger and he's right just, sitting there silently <laughs> yeah he's on to the next level yep. Great point. Kyle, I also want you to talk to me about a feel-good thing, Mm -hmm. and that is Spyro Reignited. Yeah. This is a dramatic remaster. Uh, This is a a complete uh, redo of the Spyro games in Unreal Engine. Um, Looks like it. It looks so good. Uh, I was impressed... I was really impressed by Spyro 1 and 2. I've never played those before. I played 3 when it was on like a PlayStation Store on PS3. Um, so it was my first time playing through Spyro's 1 and 2. Uh, I guess, Ben, my takeaway, my big takeaway from those Spyro games is I'm really impressed by the level design. Uh, every Spyro 1 level is like pretty tight, pretty compact, pretty much like... It's just so interesting how this all fits together. The, the the levels are not designed in a line. They're designed in like figure eights and orbs and chunks and just a nice uh, uh, cohesive collection of, of, of structures and things to climb up and things to glide down. And just like I really, really love the level design of Spyro 1. I like the enemy design. I like what they did with these because... You know, like in a game, the enemies repeat, yeah. right? Across levels, it's just like, okay, now they're red. The, those enemies I was facing before are red. You see some really well-modeled enemy designs that are, like, uh, 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 animated and, and just, like, uh, cool. 
and then you never see them again in any other level after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like some of my favorite enemies are just like a bush that runs at you and you burn it and it gets scorched. Uh, never appears in any other level than that one level. Yeah. It's like, why are you doing this? And just like, well, that's how we made games back then. Uh, which isn't even true. I mean, I guess just something they really committed to is Spyro games, making each world its own individual world. And, and going the extra level with this remaster and being like, okay, all the dragons are going to be unique. We're oh, going to give them exactly all their that, own man. personal personalities. It's like, and then wow, some of them pop in and just say, thanks, Spyro. Right, and right, then they right, go right. away. It's like, why did you work so hard on that? <laughs> right, right. It's crazy. Yeah. Each the, yeah, every single dragon has its own design. And like, de- depending on like what zone you're in, like artisans are all artisans and like uh, magic, I forget what they're called, magic makers are all magic makers. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird how much work they put into this. Uh, I love it. I, I love... Um, it's weird. It's something they lost in future spiral games. Just being able to press a button that shoots out flames. Yes, I just love being able to run around, torch things. Obviously, they put sheep there for you, and then like, man, eventually they just have more individual sheep type things um, that for you to burn to gain life. But like, it just feels good to have a, a fire button. Yeah, I love gliding. It's gliding is one of my favorite things to do in video games. In Kingdom Hearts, I love gliding. I love gliding in Spyro. I just love gliding. It just feels good. See, I love, cost, I love the, cost, uh, yeah. the charge and the guys that with the eggs that you have to run around the entire stage trying to get them. Yeah. That's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I only played uh, Spyro 1 as a mm-hmm. kid. I never touched 2 or 3. I still haven't touched 2 or 3 in the collection. I need to do that. Um, but something I really like, and I, like, I feel like when you look at conversations of people playing uh, Spyro, they're like, yep, I 100%ed it. It's like nobody is just running through it from what I'm seeing. Yes. And I think that's because the game does such a good job of, as you're kind of going through it, you'll always feel close enough to that 100% for a level where Mm -hmm. it's like, well, I might as well do the rest of it. And these levels aren't so sprawling that it becomes a huge pain in the butt to do. And so it's really satisfying and fun and pretty quick uh just getting everything and the secrets are never obtuse there's one in one where i had to it's actually really fun when i looked for a thing that i couldn't find uh i would look at like the spiral one playthroughs on youtube and it just all matches up even though they did everything completely it's like oh i know where this part is in the remake like it's really fun to watch those um but yeah ben it, it all the secrets are nice those are Spiral games, some nice secrets yeah. where it's like you're just finding a new place of this map that just opens it up. It's like, oh, this is also cohesive. Uh, and another thing I really like is about Spiral One, not so much about Spiral Two. A reward for 100%ing a game is always mm-hmm. so strong. Like, I, I, it's important to me. Spiral One, you get a really cool thing if you 100% that game. Uh, Spiral Two, you don't get a really cool thing. In fact, mine was bugged. I got that really cool thing for a second and then disappeared, and then I couldn't get it back anymore. What? Like, ah, come on. Uh, no. But it was, I was at the end of the game anyway. You know, you already 100%ed it, so what are you going to do anyway? Yeah, but that. That, yeah. that was your thing. That's that was my thing. thing. That was your thing. Uh, and then Spyro 3, Ben, it's weird. I'm, like, done with it. I've played, like, uh, a few levels of the first world. I've already played through that game in, like, the PlayStation 1 version. But a weird part of it is Spyro 2 introduces, like, people who are like, Hey, Spyro, can you help me with this thing? And, mm-hmm. like, so those are kind of fun things to do in individual levels. But Spyro 3 adds, like, these warps. And so that thing that I loved from Spyro 1 so much, and in parts of Spyro 2 as well, is gone in Spyro 3, where every world is just, like, combined. Right. It's all this one uh, uh, continuous environment. Spyro 3 adds just, like, well, you warped over here, now this is part of the level. And it's like, for some reason, that's where I tuned out. That's where I'm like, I've had enough Spyro, thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't know why. Don't know why that was what it was, but it's like, it's... 
Love that though. Love it's weird to play an entire franchise and it's well an entire trilogy back to back to back. It's weird for them to combine them all in these things. Um I think I did the same with Crash Bandicoot, where it's like played all the way through one, played all the way through from two, three. I'm good. Had enough crash. <laughs> same thing. I think that's just kind of how that works, maybe. Uh, but you know, still for for the price, for the effort put into this, for how good those games are, just such a cool, cool game. Yeah, uh, and and also very much like Mario 64 to me. Something that I appreciate about Spiral One is it's it's not like you're just hopping from level to level. These levels themselves are contained within their own world and just getting access to them and running around and having the ability to choose of where you want to go when uh, is is really, really cool. I do have a question for you um, because I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm not 100% sure how I feel about them yet. What do you think of the flying levels in Spiral 1? <laughs> the first one's the hardest. I wish that, I wish that first one wasn't the first one because they get easier. Okay. Because basically, Jones, it's a, like this big open map. Flying's not easy, but it's 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 okay. Um, you have to do a certain number of objectives while you, before the time runs out. So you have to destroy this many balloons, destroy this many trains, you know, uh, hit this many weird looking birds, uh, and you'll have to do all that. But like, whenever you hit something, you get a no bonus one second or three seconds. You have to decide in what order you want to destroy these things in because it's not possible in some order. If you go trains first, you're going to do, be doing great. If you go birds first, you're going to lose. Uh, so it's that kind of thing. The first one's the hardest. It's like, what, where do I go? Where, what order do you want me to go in? It, but it, then after that, it's like so obvious the order to go in. It's weird because I feel like those levels so far, I'm not finished with the game yet, but I feel like those levels so far, it's been kind of nice because it requires a level of finesse mm-hmm. that the rest of the game hasn't. But at the same time, it just feels like you were saying mathematical in a really lame way where yeah. it's like, I'm just going to keep playing this until I figure out the exact method that they want me to do this. Yes. And that ended up being not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What's cool in Spyro 2 is they have those exact same ones. There's three as well. But like two, they introduce this thing where you can like, there's actually a thing to find another objective within those maps. And so th- it's not really fun to fly around uh, exploring in, in one because there's nothing to find but in two there's like really sub objectives hidden in these worlds so cool. it's kind of fun to fly around and find things love the character models I lo- like it's just it looks so good it's gorgeous yeah it is absolutely gorgeous yeah, yeah. would you want a brand new Spyro game yeah Big time, baby. It's coming, right? Like, it's just like, uh, with the announcement of Crash Team Racing, uh, I forget what it's called, Nitro, whatever. uh, uh, Like, it's, to me, Activision realizing they can make a lot of money off good games. Yes. And that's exciting. I think there will be a new Crash game. I think it'll have loot. (laughs) And I think the new Spyro (laughs) game will have loot, too. I I think that we're lucky that these were kept... Uh, so true to the originals, but I think there's going to be a little bit of Activision seeping into the newly announced Crash and Spyro games. That's depressing. You'll have like yeah. earrings or something, really. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of Activision. Uh, uh, like, uh, just in that trailer for Crash, we know that there are different carts, and there wasn't in, in Crash Team Racing, and so there's going to be some sort of layered progression mm-hmm. to that, I think probably just for online, but, you know, they're going to find yeah. ways. They're going to find ways to Activision these games up. Uh, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Red Dead Redemption 2, and okay. Brendan, you can uh, jump in and, and talk about Red Dead Online, uh, which we, sure. which I haven't been able to play. I, I just want to talk about how my, my, really quickly, how my feelings on Red Dead Redemption 2 have changed over time, and uh, why I think 
if you have abandoned Red Dead Redemption, it's a long game, Brandon. It is. It's an investment. It is a very long game. And, like, I don't want to just do story mission to story mission. I want to, A, spend time in It feels world. wrong to it just does. barrel through the story. Yeah, yeah th- there's so much there. Um, and there are a lot of strangers. There's a lot of things to get involved in. Um, but I think this game does something pretty remarkable. I am I'm stunned at how much I care about Arthur. And it's not just because it's like, oh, there are all of these these crazy twists and turns. It is because of how integrated he feels in this group and how slowly I've come to know this group. Um, seeing them go from place to place, uh, the kind of conversations that you get into in camp, seeing things repeat in camp... Um, it's I, I feel like I've formed a connection with this group more so than any other game this year. And what I mean by that is I feel like I, I, I understand these characters as people more so than any other game this year. And um, a lot of times when I play a game for review, uh, like a big RPG, a lot of the most common complaint that I have with those games is... Boy, it really doesn't feel like you justified the length. I'm not against this being 60 hours, 80 hours, 100 hours. I'm okay with that. But it didn't need to be. It felt like it was because that was an expectation of the genre. Whereas with Red Dead Redemption 2, and people are going to disagree with this, um, I (laughs) I really feel like it uses that time to its advantage. And the more that I invest in it, the more that I pull out of it. Uh, and I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, and yeah, just just the slow evolution of Arthur. Um, like this, this is a game that is not afraid to show Arthur do absolutely heinous things, and then you still end up walking away really liking the guy and really understanding where he's coming from. Um, and so I think that is that is pretty remarkable. Jones, did you have a, a similar kind of feeling with this group of people, with this band of outlaws? Yeah. One of the things, you know, uh, last night, uh, uh, last night, two nights ago, boy, what day is it? Two days ago, uh, Red Dead took home the award for best narrative. And a lot yeah. of people were like, no, that narrative was terrible. And I am on this. I really, really liked it. And I think that's kind of like the one. There's a lot of things, um, a lot of ups and downs with Red Dead, a lot of things, valid complaints that I've seen online that whether I agree with them or not, I totally understand where people are coming from. But one of the major things that I keep coming back to with Red Dead, I think is really remarkable, is um, a lot of games now, even something like God of War that's doing just some really moving, incredibly epic, powerful story moments are set along a track that kind of we're all going to experience very similarly. You know, mm-hmm. like, I might have been wearing a different outfit than you in that cutscene, but we both kind of got the same cutscenes. When we talk about it, we're going to talk about that moment that that the director, those writers, wanted us to experience exactly in that way. And there really isn't, there's like a couple of moments, but there really isn't like one moment you can point out in Red Dead out of everything that happens that's like, that's the turning point, that's the big deal, that's the one thing everyone's going to be talking about, other than like the Lenny mission, of course. But like... Uh, just for its comedic value, but like, and I'm not saying all game, games need to do this, but I like that, I appreciate that this game is like, this isn't going to be this path, this journey that you're going to remember for what it was. It's going to be like, uh, like, like chili, like a good seven layer dip. Just like, it's just all of these elements sprinkled upon. Someone said it, like the story was layered. I can't remember who said that. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is. It's just like, once you start adding these things, once you're like, well, I don't really care about these gang members because I'm not spending a lot of time with them. But then I realized like, 
even these person that like I've never done a mission with, I've never really had a cutscene with, just checking in with this person day after day after day. And then you get into like the later chapters and like the shit hits the fan and like things start going really bad. And you can tell like they're a little more agitated than they used to be, a little more frustrated, a little shorter with you. And like that to me has so much more of an impact than a cutscene that's like, this person's mad at you. You made a mistake. Even something like Walking Dead where I have choice. It's like, this is the cutscene that resulted from that. Where... There were emotion. There were conversations I was moved by. I wasn't even a part of. I was 20, 30 feet away from the conversation. I just heard them arguing, and you're like, "No, don't argue." You know, like right. I want everybody to get along. And like, it's not only that you don't have the power to affect that as a player. Arthur doesn't either. Like, it's not on Arthur to tell everyone how to feel about that gang. Like, they're either involved in it or they're not. And you know, some people leave that gang voluntarily. Some people leave that gang because they die. Like, it, it just so much happens because it happens. A lot of the deaths in that game are very unceremonious. You know, it just it just shows you kind of like the tough life that they have to live and it was fascinating going back and playing again and stopping when I could tell chapter two was about to end and being like I am not going to do any more of the story I'm just going to get all my my bad stuff out of my system and go run around in my all black Arthur outfit and just be nasty to everybody and see what happens and then I started getting the mentality of like what if he did stop what if the story stopped here what if they just stayed in this spot forever you know and like I could kind of freeze this moment that seemed you could sense their anxiousness of like I know we can do better than this I know we can make more money we can make a better life for ourselves not realizing this may be as good as it gets everybody (laughs) like it kind of goes like downhill from here Um, I I just appreciate that like when I think back it's not as I said before and I'm repeating myself but like not like oh those one or two big moments it's like those 100 moments that I had with Jack with yeah. Abigail with with Dutch um, even like Dutch's girlfriend who's a very interesting character who like just doesn't get to do a lot but is always there is always talking yeah you know is always present I got a question about Dutch's girlfriend because a few of the missions start where it's just like hey Dutch we need to talk he's like I'll talk to you later am I missing the talk if I like listen to them more would they have had that conversation I don't know specifically. One one thing that bugged me that Huber keeps talking about is when you leave Valentine, he's like, we never robbed that bank. And I was like, oh, no, was that me? Did I not? Did I screw up? Did I not do that? Yeah, I robbed the bank of Valentine. Uh, you just uh, got to walk and do it on your own. Eventually, right. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I d- it, it is kind of tough to tell. Like, what is this happening because of me or is this mm-hmm. the way that the game would happen anyway? And um yeah, that there's there's pluses and minuses to that. It is kind of nice having that ambigu- ambiguity because that's life. You know, you don't really know whether something is your fault or not all the time. Funny comparison. You know what? I don't think I would give best narrative to God of War. And maybe like after the trilogy is done, maybe we can give best narrative to God of War. You know? I completely agree. Uh, uh, it's a it's a case, Jones. It's hard to give best narrative to a game that is so open. I'd probably give it to Spider Man. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's hard to say like. Your individual experience is your own, and that's why it's best narrative, you know? Because yeah. it's like you have to design a narrative. You have to design when a person is going to feel this and when this change happens. And it, in its flexibility, kind of like Zelda, Zelda game of the year easily, Breath of the Wild, but it was not close to best narrative because right. it's so free and because that's the design of it is it's, it's meant to be that way. Um, I'd have a hard time saying, like, it's definitely writing, right? People are attached to its writing, oh, and so sure. maybe if it's called best writing, I could see it better. But like best narrative to me is a structure; it's an arc, uh, you know, it's a flow, and so it's hard to give that to an open world that is so open in my book. But I do think Rockstar kind of overcomes itself in a lot of ways, and I I always get so annoyed, not just in Rockstar games, but in other games. I felt this very much in Assassin's Creed Odyssey as well, uh, where I would. The people that are supposedly telling the story feel nothing more than mission givers. 
It's like, okay, I'm coming up. You you are marked on the map. I go to where you're marked on the map. I talk to you. You give me your objective. I go and do the thing. I come back, and then we're done. Our relationship is done. There's mm-hmm. a beginning and an end, and you're not in the middle really at all. And I feel like with Red Dead Redemption 2, with one of the key characters, Dutch, he's around all the time. And, and like not and not in everything that you do, but like this this character that is so influential to Argon Arthur Argon Arthur and the rest of the gang. He's at camp. He's listening to music. He's doing things. He will talk to you. He will go on missions with you. He will do the dirty stuff with you. Uh, having that presence, I think, like Red Dead Redemption Two, as far as open world games. When I say, like, I really get to know these characters, it's not just because they're well-written. It is because of how thoughtfully they're incorporated in so many of the activities that I think is, is really, really, really cool. Um, and characters that I didn't expect to get a lot of time coming into the story later and being incorporated uh, in pretty smart ways. I don't know. I Like... Sometimes I think with games, what matters less to me is the like, okay, here's the the plot that I'm going to describe to you. And what's more important is how it all comes together to to make me feel like how it all comes together to be like, okay, this is the journey that I went on with these people. How convincing was that journey? Did that journey feel artificial? Did it feel gamey? And like, that's not, at this point, that's not what this is feeling like. Yeah. Uh, like, I'll, I'll give you an example, Kyle. Like, there is a Hatfield and the McCoy section of Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. The Braithwaites and the, uh, I don't remember the name of the other family. And for those of you who don't know, the Hatfields and McCoy were two actual families in the era that hated each other and uh, kind of like, an, you know, a Capulet Montague situation where like, they didn't even remember why you know they were just always at war and these two big families that owned a lot of land that were close to each other and so they're just always you know picking on each other shooting at each other i was introduced to that storyline in the world walking down a trail and having a guy like running away in the you know one of the braithwaites and he like jumps over a fence and runs past me and guys are shooting at him like you get off my land braithwaites and i'm like braithwaites what and then like load up a map like braithwaite manor and i was like oh it's like a half mccoy thing cool that was in the world, and mm-hmm. it's like that's why that's why I think it's the best narrative because it's like we're introducing you and updating you on things in a way that just other games don't. There's just no other game I can think of that did that. That's usually like, oh well, now here's the cutscene that introduces you, which to is these how things. I was introduced then. Yeah, and I could have easily, if my horse was going super fast, run right by that and missed it and not understood what was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I got the same thing again. I think I was coming from the same direction the second time I played. And so, like, it it is you know written, it is posted to be presented to you in that way. Mm-hmm. But it just feels so much more organic. And again, it's not something where it's like Assassin's Creed. You better start doing this. Like everyone's free to tell stories that the way they want to. I just uh, I just want to I want to put a pin in in Red Dead and remember in 2018 what they pulled off in terms of like how to spread out a story and surprise you with it so many times, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times throughout one playthrough. I feel like in Red Dead Redemption 1, there was uh, definitely a problem of uh, objective and tone feeling consistent where like the the characters that you were involved in your own personal journey would sometimes feel sidetracked or just suddenly shift Mm -hmm. in a way um, that didn't really feel very organic. In Red Dead Redemption 2, you definitely have sharp shifts uh, but I always feel like they manage to keep the gang as the core. Like even when you have the the Braithwaites and I forget the other family's name. I'm yeah. trying really hard to remember it. I can't. Uh, is it begin with a C? 
Conway? I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, when you have those two families fighting, I was a little bit worried that it was like, okay, now we're going to focus super heavily on them. Uh, it's not going to feel as personal. It's not going to feel as as motivated for the gang surviving and, and pulling off a big score. But that doesn't happen. Um, that just feels like a new avenue to explore the gang. And it, it never... I feel like Red Dead Redemption 2 does a much better job of, of keeping this kind of intimate feeling a lot better than Red Dead Redemption 1 does. Uh, do you know what I think might contribute to that? Is that every time you finish a mission, not just you get a cut, but your gang gets a cut. Right. And so, like, actually, it, it does incentivize the character in this world to be doing these things because it is contributing to the gang as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then you can choose, actually, to put more money of your own money into the gang if you want to. Uh, yeah, I, I like... Uh, I do wish there were more, like, in-game rewards for doing stuff. You know, like, I wish there was a sick gun that was way better than the gun that I already have that you get for, like, doing this certain path, you know? Uh, things like that, like, more in-game rewards. But at least in terms of what the character is going through, there is a reason for him to do the side quests and side missions. A lot of people say the story in Red Dead's boring, and I'll give them that because I think Rockstar attempted to solve an issue that is been a, a problem for me in a lot of uh, Rockstar games, GTA and Red Dead, especially Red Dead, going back and playing it a second time, almost every cutscene, uh, John is telling the person, I, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Like, continually, over and over and over again. Like, I am looking for Bill Williamson and Javier Escuela. That is the reason I'm doing this mission for you. Tell me what I want to know, or I'm not going to do this crap anymore. Where the gang is the plot of Red yeah. Dead 2. And so it's like, it's not like, why am I robbing this bank? Oh, for the gang. It's like, mm -hmm. why am I helping, you know, Charles? Because he's in your gang. You know, like, and so it, it all this stuff that you're doing might not seem like the most important thing in the world, but that's so that you can go out and hunt and stuff and not feel like I'm taking away from what I should be doing mm. or that, you know, you're right, even the I'm, hunting I'm using my game. time poorly. Yeah. You know, like I think they really tried to solve that this time. And I think the end result of that was maybe some people being like, when does this get good? Like, when am I, when am I going to do something that I really feel helped the gang or impacted me as a character? And you, yep, unfortunately you got to put in like 50, 60, 70 hours to like, Oh, okay. Like I'm finally yeah. getting to that point. And you know, not to say it works out well, for everybody but um i'm seeing where this is going what this has all been building up to um the the choices that you make uh have taught me something that a lot of games when you are making a choice really all that matters is the choice itself mm -hmm. and what you how you want to be perceived in this choice it's like okay in this moment do i want to do the good thing or the bad thing and all i'm focusing about is the choice in red energy 2 there are plenty of moments where my choice is influenced by the state that Arthur is currently in and what has currently happened to him. And I feel like there are specific moments where they present you with an option right after, you know, Arthur has undergone something and it completely changes the way that you would normally think about that choice. Like if they give you that choice at the beginning of the game, it would have a completely different context. And I really appreciate that a lot. Um, and I think it adds so much more meaning to that character as a whole. Good and evil, too. Yeah. Going back and being evil in a second turn, or just bad, just having bad honor, uh, noticing that there were things I did as a good guy in the first game, not realizing how perfectly programmed they are for you to be sadistic and terrible. And and replaying the game and doing those things and being like, oh, you just you just wrapped that up with a bow for me to be the worst person ever. Like one of the ones that really disturbed me that I'm like, I'm still going to stick through and be a terrible person this playthrough. But like, I feel I need a shower right now. I feel gross after doing that. And I picked someone up on the street who's like, my horse died. Can you help me back into town? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and she hopped up on my horse and I went off into the woods and she was like, where are we going? 
And she's like, wait. And she's like, wait, no, no, no. You're taking me somewhere I don't want to go. And she jumped off the horse and I killed her <laughs> and, like, and robbed no, her and then walked chunks. away. You're pushing the bad guy. Yeah. That is, that's but the game evil. knew what I was doing. The game was like, we know. We we know you're not taking her to town. And I didn't even think about that. I was that like, so oh, when up. I was first playing, I just immediately took her to town. It felt very good letting her off the horse. And I'm only doing this because it's my second playthrough and I just want to test the waters and see what happens. And the game was like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> like, we're, 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 we're with you. We get it. You know, like there was one guy pulled a gun on and he didn't notice right away. He was doing a thing. He was like, yeah, yeah the thing about pl- it was like, it was the guy that introduces you to picking plants. And I was like, yeah, I'm killing you. It was like one of the first strangers I bumped into That's or funny. just random people on the road. And I, I had a gun pointed at his head and he was looking down at something and it was like, and the thing about, oh God, and I freaked out and started running. Just like, uh, One time I truly felt terrible. guilt. I was just bringing a carriage into town and there was a guy who was like, hey, hey, hold up, hold up. But then like nobody noticed. <laughs> And I'm just like looking around. It's like, are we good? <laughs> and I was, and I just like kept walking around. Like that guy died, and I got away with it. Yeah, that felt really, really bad. I, and just the the witness system yeah. of being like, if you chase this one guy down. Yeah. And threaten him or dispose of him. You're good. Yeah, you're fine. Or even just a few people discovering scenes. Hearing from a distance, really faintly, like "Oh my god!" You know, yeah. <laughs> they, they find a body or something. Or yeah, yeah. Sniping a witness from really far away. Uh, my two favorite choices <laughs> so far. Uh, one was um, is like, "Hey Arthur, you want to go fishing with us now that the mission's over?" And I'm like, "No." Yeah, yeah. love yeah, that. Yeah, totally did. And then yeah. the other one was like the 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 like ex girlfriend is like, "I'm sorry, I wasn't. You weren't good enough for me. Will you help my brother?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> Like, it's cool that the game lets you do that, yeah. you know? No. Uh, Bye. Kyle, I've, I've very much enjoyed where that storyline has gone. I don't care. Uh, yep, she doesn't deserve my love. I'm proud okay. of you, Kyle. She had her chance. I'm proud okay. of you. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't yeah. disagree with you. Yeah. I just think it's done well in the game. Yeah. The, uh, on my second playthrough, it was nice to be like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Later. Choices like that are cool. I like that better than, like, live or die. You know what I mean? Just right. like, sure. No, no, I'm good. It's pretty uh, cool. Brandon, tell me about Red Dead Online. Cool. I'll be brief because I only I'm I'm up to rank twenty. At rank twenty one, I get something that actually resembles a, a cowboy hat. Nice. So I'm excited about that. Get there. Rank twenty, you get, like the, you get the time. binoculars. You do get a lot of hats. You can pick up hats. They don't store in your wardrobe. So if you manage to like keep that hat on and know where it is, like you can take any hat from the game. That's like how cars worked in GTA, right? You could only keep it in a garage if you bought it. Correct. But you could but if steal you go, you go steal anybody and drive it around. Yeah. Uh, you can't steal horses; it'll buck you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I tested it once, and that's what happened. I don't know specifically how that system works, but. Uh, they just did an update today, I think, or recently. I got the email uh, today with all of the updates from uh, their first week of notes from everybody. And like a lot of people are talking about progression. A lot of people are like, I'm not making money enough. Uh, I'm, I'm not um, earning as much as I think I should. I kind of got a kick out of it. It was kind of the opposite of New Game Plus, like starting over as a new character that I created and having very little resources. Yeah. It was almost like a survival game. I kind of dug it. Um, and I stayed up until five in the morning one night trying to get that $200 to get the Easy Allies posse. And like, I had a lot of fun doing that. It was neat. Really just looking around and be like, I'm not going to make money. You know, just like <laughs> like having, going from like, there's no way I would have sold a pelt. I would have sold a pelt to not have it on the back of my horse by the end of the single player game, you know, yeah. just to like have a clean looking horse. Whereas now it's like, I got three $3.50 from that pelt. You know, it's like, <laughs> it has value all of a sudden. And like, I yeah. like that. I can see people being like, I only got five bucks from that multiplayer session. It's like, I get that too, but... I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked starting over, and and it was a little bit stingy, but uh, it was it was a treat. 
Uh, I love the camps. I never thought of how that would work, but I love that other people's camps are in the world. Like, they're randoms. So you can be like, I want to be in tall trees, and it's like, all right, you're over here. And so it's neat to kind of walk in and be like, oh, you set up camp here. Nice. And, like, it's neat for that to move around and see the different views and, and take advantage of these little spots and be like, this is a little picturesque nook. Like, I never really spent a lot of time here in the single player, but it's nice the game's kind of pointing me in this direction. And I can all, like, walk by a camp and see somebody else, like, doing stuff, like, crafting and sitting by the fire. Um, I'm looking forward to when more people jump into the game, seeing more groups of people, like, chilling at camps. You can put up a white flag to be like, "Don't you can't shoot me while I'm in camp. Um, yeah, I dig it. I'm... I, I don't think I'm going to enjoy the actual gameplay, like the missions as much as I did in GTA, just because like, you know, Ferraris are fast, uh, more fun than cars. Like there's just more fun options that you can do in GTA. And I'm sure Red Dead will evolve. They'll add way more things that were ever available in the single player and multiplayer after a couple of years. But um, one of the things that surprised me, one of the modes that I put off forever and then used to get from like rank 15 up to 20 was racing. And I'm like, horse races. Okay. Like how, how much fun can this be? And two things that I really dig, uh, one, you can shoot, uh, it's like Mario Kart, so you like run over uh, barrels and then you can pick up different weapons, and you can see them when you come up, so it's like, ooh, shotgun, get the shotgun, but you can't, uh, there's no targeting, so when you play in all the multiplayer modes, you're shooting everybody, there's targeting, so you get used to that lock on, move up to the headshot move, but you can't lock onto people, so if you're behind me and you're shooting me, it's real hard. So it's fun to be like ahead of a guy in a race. And the guy's like, ah, no, like getting close to the finish line. And he's like trying to sh- shoot the horse or me or something. What did, what did it, how do they introduce this in the game's world? Uh, it's just in, like, you just like queue for a, a horse race. You so, can actually go to the spot in the world, or you can just go to a screen and be like, I want to do yeah, a race. And so it's, it's like, like the right. multiplayer matches, like the death matches, where it's like, this yeah. isn't really happening. Don't worry. No, don't no, think no, about yeah, this yeah, too yeah, much. Yeah, okay, yeah. got it, got it, got it. Uh, all the people in the town are gone. Saint yeah. Denis, like, you know, uh, ghost town, and Fair it's just enough. you in the streets, like, running around. Saint Denis. Saint yeah. Denis. Uh, but I love... There's a mode where, so there's like, you know, typical point to point races. There's some that lap, there's some that lap, there's some that just go to point A to point B. And there's another mode where it's a, I think it's called free race, or there's like a, it's a free for all. So there's a bunch of markers all over the map, and you just have to go get them all in any order. It's like you were talking about with Spyro. Oh, that's fun. That's like orienteering. So it's neat to start to go back to a map and be like, okay, I've, I've almost got this map down as yeah. far as like what's the best way to go, but you have to account for other people. And sometimes a guy's taking a completely different route. And so you can see him and you're like both running for a point and it's like, Am I going to try to beat him to that and get ahead of him, or are we just going to slam into each other and go throwing off? And on horseback, they are brutal with that reload time. So if you like get knocked off your horse, it's like eight or nine seconds before you're back in the race, and so it sucks. But like, there was one race I got right behind the guy in first place and just shotgunned him off his horse and then got first. And like, it feels so good because aiming's hard. You know, yeah. the horse is bouncing up and down, and like, it's uh, it's very gratifying. And there were times I got shot off a horse, and I wasn't like, that's totally unfair. I was like, whatever. Got to respect it. I made yeah. four dollars on this race instead of six. It's fine, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. on to the next thing. So I was surprised how much I like that and um, tried to make a, an interesting looking character. He's my dopey. There's nothing I can do. I got a dopey guy in GTA Online, a dopey guy in Red Dead. Um, <laughs> hey, sometimes you're just born dopey looking. It happens. Yeah. But born I'm, dopey. I'm, born I think dopey. The, I think the co-op, like I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough with the multiplayer that I'm, I'm, I, I can see myself playing a couple hours every week just to like rank up and try to get to 100. I only got to like late 70s in GTA after all the years that that's been out. Um, but I'm really looking forward to playing with allies, playing with the community, and helping them with story stuff. Because it was neat. Because you imagine, you know, Ben, there's a lot of missions in Red Dead where, like, 
I'm running on horseback with my gang and then dudes are behind me and so I gotta like master that like behind shot yep. or I'll get to a, a, a point in the road where like, oh, now three guys are coming in at me and then they're gonna either be running with me or behind me. And the first story mission I did with other players, I was behind them. So I was like a good 50, you know, 80 yards back. And it was neat to see that AI come in like, we got you. And I was just like, nope, pop. pop. You know, so I'm like, I, I got your back. You know, it was neat like being that, seeing how the AI works because I played the single player so much. And then kind of gaming that system because of just how, where we were in order of, of riding. Back into I, town. I feel like if Jones has your back in Reddit Online, that is a great privilege. <laughs> I'd love to have Jones have my back. And that I'm is excited. a great that it's, privilege. It's, it's the joy I got out of playing Fortnite. It's fun to like level up and then go back to earlier areas, earlier missions. And there's yeah. a thing you can do where you can just queue yourself up for story missions. It's like, yeah, I'll just throw me in, coach. I'll do whatever and play whatever mission. Have you gone through all the story missions the spoils so far? And, yeah, I was confused because it capped in 75% and Huber, I haven't tested this, but Huber said the last 25% is for the other side of the moral bar mm. so you need there's a guy you can go to an online which you can't do in single player and just be like make me mean and he'll just vroom, and just like put it at the other side <laughs> hey and then i think those <laughs> other <laughs> yeah i think like the 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 bad ending or the mean ending of the campaign pops up but it's very short there's only like eight missions mm-hmm. and so i wonder if you know they'll continually update stuff gta does yeah gta does but a lot of the a lot of the content even story-based stuff you have to have money to even buy in so like it's the like, gay tony stuff like, you yeah, have to buy in on? yeah the, the, the gay tony stuff is a nightclub so you have to buy the nightclub and then you unlock everything oh and they no. add it right well it, it that would would make sense at the beginning of red dead online but after like three or four years they're like you got a million bucks come on and you've <laughs> even been playing this game for as long as you have or at least that's i think where rockstar is coming from okay and so i i think that's maybe a lesson they learned and given that I think people cared a little bit more about, like, you like Trevor, but you, like, I don't care about Trevor. You know, like, I didn't really yeah. care about Michael or Frank. Franklin probably more than any of the any of the three of that group. Whereas I think people are more invested in the story and the characters in the world. Yes. So I think they're going to appreciate and expect a more story-focused thing. So, like, even when they're like, new horse outfit, new, you know, interior that you can go in this, this building in Saint Denis you couldn't go in before. And... Four new story missions. You're like, oh, cool, thanks. Like, yeah. I think every update's gonna have a little sprinkle of purely story-based content that you can do with friends, or you can just queue in random people, and it's fine. Like, if they get ahead of you into the next objective, it'll, you know, it'll load up the cutscene when they get there, so you can just port to it. Um, it's fun, and it's it's neat. It's neat being my own cowboy. It's neat going back to that world. And uh, just the first night when I've like finally signed off at 5:30, and I'm like on uh, just in my camp, and it's nighttime, and I'm like I've never really hung out in this one spot by Blackwater. And it's just nice, like because the map's huge, dude. Yeah. It's so big, yeah. And so it's neat, even in after spending probably 120, 130 hours in, in the single player campaign, noticing stuff even in online now. Yeah, and and it's before everything too, so it's kind of nice to reset the clock, go back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, to where before some buildings got erected, before some characters were even like came into town or were introduced in the story, and it's cool, nice, yeah, I love it. I'm glad you're enjoying your time with it. Um, that said, I haven't played it in like a, in a week because I'm gonna play Just Cause, but it, it's crazy to me. Like, I honestly feel like I've played so much Red Dead Redemption Two, and I'm still not done with the story. And so the thought of like <laughs> yeah. investing in and picking away at this multiplayer is a little intimidating. But it's but, free; uh, it's always there for you. Yeah, so exactly. even if even if like mid 2019, you're like. Oh, I got a couple right. weeks. Let me let me do it. Jump in. I gotta beat it. I gotta beat it tonight or maybe this weekend. Are you the, pretty close? The single player. I'm. I feel like I'm close. I don't even want to say where I am because, <laughs> okay. like, yeah, if yeah, I yeah. did, don't don't. Yeah, but like, I feel like I'm getting. You can there. say a chapter. I feel like. Okay, I am in chapter five. Okay, I'm in chapter yeah. six. Okay, I'm like feeling. Yeah. Like okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll, we'll feeling, end that conversation I'm there. I'm feeling like it's gonna be a couple of nights. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then I'm hitting credits. 
Uh, Kyle, hmm. I got the sense, and I did not mean to do this. If you had more th- that you wanted to say about Spyro, please do. I did not mean to cut you off. Oh, sometimes you didn't it, at all. No. Okay. Sometimes it can be hard finding those transitions. No, no, no. I always start with the one thing I want to say the most, and I really, really admire its level design. It's so cool. cool. So, so, so cool. Uh, man, the Feel Good Train is just going to keep rolling mm-hmm. um, because there's another game that I don't think I've really talked to anybody else about, but I've had a wonderful time with so far. Uh, I've been playing Earth Defense Force 5. Nice. Because uh, that comes out Tuesday, doesn't it? Yes, okay, it comes yeah. out Tuesday. But I, I mentioned believe. EDF when I was talking about Just Cause the first time when you brought you that did. up. And I was like, you Just did. Cause 4 needs to be more like EDF. Right. <laughs> needs to have that kind of attitude, you know. Just Cause 5 with giant bugs? Like, come on. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Brandon, Brandon you, you said to me, uh, <laughs> EDF 5, or, well, Earth Defense Force in general knows yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, and it super, super does. And I think... The thing that I was worried about with Earth Defense Force 5 and what I felt at the beginning but then kind of got eroded away is you have just the most basic of concept. Earth Defense Force is meant to be extremely simple. It is it is, it is like a beat em up in its appeal where it's like, listen, you've got these crazy weapons. You're going to shoot bugs. They're going to ragdoll in crazy ways. There's going to be colored blood all over these buildings. There's just going to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bugs. Sometimes you'll fight something huge like a Mecha Godzilla thing, but mostly it's just going to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bugs and you're going to have fun with your friends, not thinking too hard about it, blasting away. Um, and that's what it is. But Earth Defense Force 5 finds really great ways of keeping the charm alive. So something that, that has always been praised for Earth Defense Force, or, or at least since I've been playing it, is uh, just the, the ridiculous, hemi uh, voice acting where, you know, people get on the intercom and they'll say really stupid things. They have leaned into it in Earth Defense Force 5. I feel like they've leaned into it harder than ever, where, like, I was doing a mission... And they were talking about Napoleon Bonaparte and the Battle of Waterloo. And the way that they're delivering these lines, like you have these soldiers who are just like clearly throwing themselves into this suicidal mission. And they're speaking with such hope and like getting inspired by history that it's both like hilarious and kind of psyching you up Mm -hmm. to keep doing the mission. And it's just really, really charming. And I think it's easy to like... Because of what Earth Defense Force is, and you're going through all these waves, it's easy to be like, okay, well, I'm gonna, you know, put on a YouTube video or put on a podcast. But like, they've said enough really crazy things where it's like, no, I want to keep hearing this. Um, and the uh, the performance is definitely better than what I've seen in past Earth Defense Force games. Uh, it's definitely chugged before. It has been pretty smooth. Uh, when I was doing split screen multiplayer uh it, it was chuggy a little bit at, at the beginning but it really smoothed out and that that helps just a lot it just makes it more fun when this constant chaos can like actually be handled by the game itself still not a looker uh, but it does look a little bit better uh than than path earth defense force games which is nice um and what i really want to say about Earth defense force 5 that i think it nails the most important thing as you would say, Kyle, is I believe this game has 110 missions. I'm somewhere around 27, 28, so I still have a lot to go. Yeah. Okay? And I feel like with Earth Defense Force games, I kind of get to this point where I'm like, I, I've i seen it, or <laughs> like the missions turn from kind of mindless fun to tedium. I feel like in Earth Defense Force 5, so far, for the most part, the missions have been tuned in such a way where they're never taking you that long, and like the object they're mixing up the things that you're fighting and the new things that you're fighting are cool enough and like it's like okay that was 
10 minutes, I'm ready to hop in the next one. That was 10 minutes, I'm ready to hop in the next one. And there's just this really good clip of, I, I feel like that isn't hitting me yet. Maybe it will, you know, eight missions later, but right now it's like, oh, th- there's a tightness here on a level that I haven't seen before um, with Earth Defense Force. And so I really appreciate that. Uh, and I just want to say, so my girlfriend and I have been making an effort to play more games together, mm-hmm. but she doesn't really like... Um, playing games with me because she doesn't play a lot of games until she'll get frustrated by the controls. She was like smiling ear to ear with her defense force, just having like a blast of a time. And she was just like shooting this assault rifle, just watching the spiders like fly up in the air. Good big was, game. Yeah, it was great. You're playing the split screen? Yeah, I, I haven't played the whole thing with her split screen, uh-huh. um, but we, cool. we spent a night playing it together and... I think she was a little bit hesitant, and I, I think she's like, ah, oh, you know, I don't want to hold you back or whatever, and no, just having a great time. And yeah, that's cool. that makes me really happy. And so if, like, you're looking for something where you just want to have fun with your friends, uh, Earth Defense Force 5 fits that remarkably. Nice. Yeah. And, like, I, I don't know. I hope one of the other allies checks it out. Huber has a code. Maybe we'll do some missions with Huber. Nice. Uh, but it'll be really, really fun. And, yeah, I mean, it still has the Earth Defense Force thing as well where... It, it's it's a good addicting flow of you're constantly getting new weapons and you're upgrading weapons and just seeing how ridiculous that stuff gets. There's multiple classes to try out. There's vehicles. Um, so, you know, it's it's not just mindless assault rifle shooting if you don't want it to be, which is really cool. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about very briefly, and part of the reason I want to talk about it very briefly is because when it comes out, I won't be able to shut up about it, but it's important to me. The Devil May Cry 5 demo came out. Oh, yeah. And, like, this is a stupid thing to say because nothing is this, but it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. They nailed it. Like, Who do you play as in the demo? Play as Nero. Okay. okay? And Nero has everything that you would want him to have. Um, he's got X-Seed. He's got the Devil Bringer equivalent. Um, but it's the Devil Breakers, the arms, that I really want to focus this conversation on and I think really speaks to why Devil May Cry 5 is so exciting and cool is you'll get these disposable arms and you'll find them like in the environment so you'll be fighting the boss at the end and uh, you'll see like, oh, okay, there's, I'm going to go to this side of the arena to get the arm. And there's only two uh, Devil Breakers in the demo, uh, which is kind of a bummer only because they're so much fun. Um, but what these do is they add new moves and new abilities to your character. And so, like, with Overture, you have this big electric fish that you shoot out as as the most... As, a, as the basic way of doing it, okay? And it's great for combo finishers, and it'll also give you a ton of style rank. So if you're hitting them a bunch of times with the sword, and then you do the Overture Electric Fist, you'll get a huge boost in your style. And so it's like, oh, okay, this is good to use. Um, but you could also hold down the button and charge it to do a super move. And if you do this, the arm breaks, and what's interesting about this Devil Breaker system is you're picking these things up. You don't get to swap between them. You don't get to choose. And so you kind of have to strategize during a fight is it's like, okay, do I want to hold on to this and save this for later? Do I want to break it? Um, but it also allows you to break the arm to get out of an attack. Um, and there are, if you, like during the boss fight, it was a really cool moment where it was like, okay, using the overture to get damage on this boss is like insane. Like I'm doing more damage with this than like anything else, any other basic attack. But 
if you get hit during the animation, the arm also breaks. Cool. So you have to think of the timing as you're fighting this thing. But the other arm, uh, Gerbera, it gives you this insane air dodge where you can just chain it together. And it's like, okay, this is obviously the easiest way to avoid these bosses' attacks. But if I get that mobility, I don't have er Overture's damage. And so it was this really cool trade-off. And like, the thing about Devil May Cry 5 is Nero was already complicated. Like, there's already a ton of mechanics going into Nero without this system. And to just, like, not take anything away from him and to add this Devil Breaker system in, it's just, like, this is beautifully satisfying. And, like, I don't know, man. It just it felt perfect. It ran beautifully. Nice. Um, which is obviously essential. Um, hearing Pull My Devil Trigger as you're playing is really, <laughs> really cool. Uh, lyrics come in when you had a good combo right is how how it works yeah the music changes uh depending on how you're doing i couldn't tell you i i wasn't focusing on it like i was just trying Mm -hmm. to learn the game so i couldn't tell you what was changing when or what rank or whatever don't know that um but yeah it was really cool it was hard to get a sense of like the level design because the demo was so short it basically just felt like hey do these few fights and then do a boss sure um but yeah, it it was it was awesome. It was everything that I personally wanted it to be. I do think it was kind of lame in the demo. Uh, you could go up to a phone booth and you could call Nico in, and she would like come crashing in with the van, and you'd be like, "Oh, sweet! I've got these red orbs. I'm gonna go buy some stuff." And then it's like, "No, nope, not available in the demo." So you don't get to explore that. Fair see enough. what that's like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really really cool. I feel bad um, that it's Xbox exclusive because there there were people being like, "Oh man, tell me how it is. I don't have an Xbox." Um, but yeah. Ran great, played great. Like, I just want my hands on that game. <laughs> March. Yep. Bring it on. The only thing that I think could match the intensity of Devil May Cry 5, it's not Smash Brothers Ultimate. Sorry, Sakurai. It's not the, the beautiful love of Katamari Damashi. It's not even... Best narrative, quote unquote, Red Dead Redemption <laughs> Two. It's the Hotake. And for this week's Hotake, I'd like to talk about something that kind of uh, was was fully revealed to us last night during the Game Awards. That I think is actually really exciting. And the more I dug into it, the more intrigued I was. And that's the Epic Game Store. Yeah. Uh, really doing yeah, some cool things. Yeah. Um, and so I pulled an article from Kotaku to kind of give us some context. I'm going to read some things, some choice bits from that article to kind of set the scene here. Epic Games' new digital storefront went la- live last night during the Game Awards. By by last night, you know, the night of the yeah. Game Awards. And it already has an exclusive to call its own Hades from Supergiant Games, which is awesome. The latest game from the developers of Bastion and Pyre. It's one of the reasons to give the store, which lives inside Epic's game launcher for Fortnite, a look in the coming weeks. The store only contains three purchasable games, so it isn't ready to knock out Steam just yet. The biggest hook for players now is that Epic will be giving away a free game every two weeks. Uh, for December, that means the underwater survival exploration game Subnautica nice. on some de- December 14th, followed by Super Meat Boy starting December 28th. Services on PS4 and Xbox One, as well as Twitch and EA's access, all dole out games for the price of a regular subscription, but Epic is offering their freebies without any monthly subscription free- fee. 
You just get free games. Wait, is Super Meat Boy the new one? No, it's not Super Meat Boy Forever. It's okay. classic Super Meat Boy. Okay, okay, okay. It remains to be seen how good the free games offered are in the future, but Subnautica and Super Meat Boy are decent enough to start. Yeah. Combined, both games currently cost $40 on Steam. Oh. Yeah. And this is another great part of the Epic Game Store. Developers get 88% of the money that comes in from sales of games on their platform. That's regardless of how much their game sells or how big the studio is. Uh, Valve's take right now is 30%. But while that revenue split might draw more game creators to the store, right now it's extremely small and simplistic. In addition to Hades, there are currently only two other games, Ashen and Hello Neighbor Hide and Seek. Um, but there are a bunch of games coming soon. Uh, Journey's coming, um, Outer Wilds, Super Meat Boy Forever, World War Z, and a bunch of stuff. And so uh, I want to talk about this this storefront. We also earlier talked about the, the Discord storefront that was happening. Mm-hmm. And so you've got all these places coming into the space and trying to compete. And it seems like Epic Game Store is doing a lot of things that are feel good for the consumer. Uh, but I... Do you think this is something that will become a viable threat is such a lame way to phrase it. Um, But do you think this is something that will have momentum and will continue to grow and continue to be uh, a a big thing? No question. No question. Yeah. I think we'll be used to saying Epic Games Store this time next year. Okay. Uh, I did not know about the free games every two weeks. Yeah. Just for a little while? Or is that just like this is a... (laughs) A pretty like regular program they continue they expect to keep supporting the wording that i have right now is Mm -hmm. like we're we're gonna keep doing this like that's this that's the Fortnite money yeah that's just like you got money to burn they are burning money amazon style yeah like we're we're gonna get you in with our with this cheap stuff because we can afford it and like that it's just gonna work out for them no question this is gonna work out for them so you talk about amazon style and something that i felt burned by amazon before is Sometimes I feel like these companies, you know, have the ability, have the capital to offer kind of these amazing deals. And then once they grow to a certain size, they are less generous. And by that time, you're already so invested that you can't really pull away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think that will be an issue with the Epic Game Store? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I don't think Fortnite money can last forever. Mm. And so I think, yeah, invest heavy when right now, invest heavy when uh, Epic, I don't think is a public company, but like whatever, when you're getting this kind of money right now, like go heavy on it, go hard on it uh, because it won't last forever. But then, yeah, you'll have a successful store at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, yeah, of course, that's when you monetize harder. Uh, But their intentions seem pure. If mm-hmm. you listen to what Tim Sweeney's been saying, it seems like they truly believe that there's a better way to run a store and that they want to do it because they can. Yeah. And to prove that it, it'll it it'll function. You know, even with maybe not the audience that Steam has, you know, for a year or two, you know, just having enough of a group and having that work and proving that model works, um, I think is enough. And I think is, is something that will always... It's just if you get goodwill from a company like that, you'll never forget that. You'll always remember like why Epic Games started the store and like the first you know free games you got or the getting access to something exclusively. I think that stuff sticks with consumers. At least I remember that stuff of like, oh yeah, I remember that game being free when it first launched or I remember getting that little incentive, that little freebie on the side. Um, the thing that I like about the Epic Games Store that is really important to me, and I don't know if it is to other people, but I, we are creatures of habit and so 
if there is a, a new game that is coming out, like I just think about getting games on Steam. Like that's still what I default to. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I'll be like, oh yeah, it's also out on on GOG or Origin or whatever. Um, but it's just Steam is so entrenched to me that when you say Hades from this developer that you really care about, you can only get it there. That forces me to break that habit. Yeah. And I think that is really important for a lot of people. Uh, what were you going to say, Kyle? I was going to ask Jones what what he remembers when you say, I remember all my free games. Like, do you remember your like the first like PlayStation free game? Uh, well, I just got uh, uh, Kiwami was the last game I downloaded on PS4. And so that was just like a great incentive to like, yeah, I'm... I'll play this, and 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 for a lot of people, I bet that was probably their first Yakuza game, and now they're invested in the franchise. Speaking of Epic, I really enjoyed Fortnite when I first jumped in. I was like, "Wow, I can't, I can't believe this game! I just jumped into this game, you know." Like, <laughs> um, and uh, and so yeah, I can't. Yeah, I'll. Uh, you, you got me, Kyle. I can't think. I'm a little I'm tired. Of, like, I can't think of something th- off the top of my I'm head. I think of like Resogun, you know, in the sure. PS4. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's first a good launch. call. It's a game like I wouldn't play right now, right? But like that was like when you first got your console, and that was a free game. Like, you, the, yeah, there are free games that you get that you're just like Rocket League was free on PlayStation for a little while, and so like that was like not excuse me, not free. Uh, this is the t- first time they're free. When Epic Game Store says these yeah, are free games, that's like free. no subscription. That's crazy. I, I hope that. Much like Game Pass and what Brandon and you were saying about PlayStation Plus, I hope that the free games are used for upcoming games as well. That there's some sort of deal that they can work out where that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so much on PC that it's like, ah, I want to play this, but there are so many things commanding my attention. If you make it free for me, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Um, and like even free-to-play games being exclusive on Epic Games platform or, or early access or something for that I think would be really really cool what I am worried about um, is and a common complaint of Steam is curation and finding ways for cool games to kind of bubble up over the juggernauts that are on Steam and I worry you know it's it's really feel good right now it's like hey Epic Games Store is offering free stuff and hey um, you know we're gonna give uh, better cuts to developers it's like okay You've got like five things on there right now. What are you going to do when there's a thousand? How are you going to present that? And so I think more concrete details regarding that would be really appreciated. Uh, I think that's the thing you might lose with this system is that it th- I think it'll be heavily curated mm. because I yeah. think I think they're uh, they're eighty eight percent. You know what I mean? The, the way that they're designed doesn't work with games that won't sell really well. Sure. And so I think they won't let games that won't sell really well onto their system. Mm. You know what I mean? If somebody wants to make like checkers with JPEGs, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going to get on the Epic game store. And that's where I think you'll lose something. I think you won't get as many like oddball weirdo self-published things is one of my guesses. But that's, that's also great because I, another problem of steam is there's just way too much garbage yeah. that like yeah. shouldn't be on there in the first place. That's long been a pet peeve of mine in the industry. Like my first thing that really irked me was YouTube when they're just like, it's so much of it's automated, you know, and they're just like, wow, there's just so many videos. And like, same thing with Steam. They're like, there's just so many games. You can't curate them. It's like, you can, you're not. Like, mm-hmm. don't, it's not like, and that's the only thing is like, I understand why they have to make those business, business decisions. But when they frame it in a way, they're like, it's impossible. Like, it's not, you hire a bunch of people, you don't want to spend that money. Just say that, you know, yeah. just admit that. And then that's fine. And then like, now we're all on the same page. You're not like lying or, 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 or putting up a front that just like, I just frankly don't believe. And 
the thing with the Epic Game Store is they're spending more money than they need to on everything. And so like that, it seems it seems logical that they would have it. You know, same thing with Fortnite because they just added the block. So they're going to now have customizable maps, people making stuff. And like, I'm sure there's all sorts of obscene things you can construct with the various tools available in Fortnite. They're like, no, no, we're not. You're mm-hmm. not going to have access to that. It's going to go through a screening process. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot actually on their plate across company wide that involves the community curating stuff and and uh, and offering things. And and so yeah, I wouldn't. I would not be surprised if they have a lot of people internally that are. Or if some things take a little bit longer. It's nice that we do get exclusive games. Maybe some games come earlier to Epic Game Store than they do others, but I think the cost is it's probably going to take some bigger Steam-focused games. PUBG's probably not coming to Epic Game Store for a good while. Do Stuff you, like that. <laughs> do you envision other studios like Supergiant signing on with exclusive deals to the Epic Game Store? Yeah, dude. Sure. That's such a deal to, to, to be launching with Epic like this and then like, you know, making the cut that you are, like mm-hmm. that promotion, getting a commercial, you know, like it's just what indie studios dream of. You're so scared that your next game will drag you under and then you'll be out of business. So like, I can't imagine being in that in that business where it's like, you just don't know what will strike a chord with this audience. Right. You don't know if what you're working on right now will be relevant three years from now and that everything is riding on that one product that comes out three years from now that, yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd be an exclusive with any store, you know? There are publishers, I think, that would work really well in the Epic Games Store. Like, I think Devolver Digital mm-hmm. um, is, like, kind of a natural fit. But my question is, is let, let's say you talk to Epic and the grass seems way greener over there and they're like, hey, you can come over here, but you got to take your stuff off of Steam. I feel like that's a PR battle as well. Dude, uh, I think it happened. I think it's happening with one game that's coming up where it's like, hey, we're not going to launch on Steam anymore. We'll come no, no, to no. Steam eventually. I, but mean, like- I don't mean that. I don't mean uh, like we're not launching on Steam. I mean, we're taking stuff that we already have on there and moving it over oh, to sure. the Epic Games. The- yeah, that'd be brutal. Yeah. Uh, it could. I like that's not out of the realm of possibility, though, right? Like- right. Any, I think any it's, game I think it's likely even. Yeah. Um, do, that would be weird. Ex- a game that it, has that, is there a precedent for that? Games that work through Steam, but you cannot buy on Steam anymore? I feel it's like, like that it's not is, in the store, like but it is happened. in my library. I should know specifically, but I feel like huh. with EA, for example, I feel like publishers have pulled stuff off of Steam that was once on there. Okay. But you can still, if you own it, you can yeah, still, still play, play it. it. Download it. Yeah, steal yeah, a yeah. game for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, yeah, I, I, I've, like, it's obviously happened with Xbox and PlayStation, so I, I don't think, I don't think it hasn't happened on Steam. Do you think there's any plans to take the Epic Game Store and bring it to consoles? Because I think something that could be really cool is if you have a, 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 P, a PC game store and it's like, hey, you buy this, if it comes out on consoles, you can also play it for consoles and you don't have to rebuy it. Yeah, because uh, they were talking about bringing it to iOS, which right. I think is impossible, but it's part of their plans. They're talking about it, Ben. Yeah, but like this is exciting. It, it would make it would make Microsoft and Sony so mad for you to be able to buy cheaper games on their consoles, not through them. Yeah, I, you're right. That's that's a super obvious point that needs to be brought up. But I think about like something like uh, the the EA Access, mm-hmm. where it's like. You're not buying games through that service, but it's a way for you to get games that really benefits EA that is not through the Microsoft and Sony stores. Right. Maybe you could do something like that where it's like, hey, you know, pay us a certain amount and you get access to this stuff. Right. Like, yeah, I think as long as Microsoft and Sony in the end get a cut, they'll allow it. But like at, at current 
I, I like they'd be so mad because yeah. they make so much money off their own stores. Uh, how do you think? What do you think about the way that this was announced um, and and kind of brought to light for a lot of people via the Game Awards and and how they presented it? Do you think that was an effective method of communication? Yeah, man, because there, it was the Ashen trailer, you know, mm-hmm. just like uh, it wasn't the Ashen trailer. I guess it was a story tra- store trailer that ended with Ashen, which was announced at a Microsoft press conference. And that was really what I associated it with. Um, and so, yeah, to come out and say, like, all these games on the Epic Game Store, that's, I guess, the way to do it. Uh, right for the holidays, too. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, uh Sorry, Hades, you know, just like coming at Supergiant's next game, you know, and that's exclusive to our store. That's like, that's a big get. That's yeah. a really big get. There, I know obviously there are bigger gets, but I think in terms of that scale, like that's the right game. It felt like the, the perfect announcement for the Game Awards where it's obviously a huge platform, but I feel like if you would have taken the same strategy during E3, it just wouldn't have captured as much attention. And so this just feels so focused and yeah, so you perfect. Know yeah, I hear you. Um for the moment yeah 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 i like the duality of ashen game we know weren't sure when it was going to happen on what platform first it's out now go you know like yeah. oh or it's it's going to be available soon next to hades have never heard of this know the developer don't know what their next thing is here it is go get it now mm-hmm. you know like it kind of represents the best of both worlds we might shadow drop stuff on you we might surprise you with stuff that's coming to our system as opposed to others oh here's also this other thing you were expecting and waiting we're bringing it to you yeah, it's weird. You know, I get I get it when people are frustrated by exclusives that like a game would be you'd be able to not have it on your preferred platform for some time. But just like I think we've just seen too many indie studios close down to not be sympathetic to that anymore, right. to not see that as a good sure. thing. Whenever anybody is infusing money into a game studio, I have to see that as a good thing because that's way better than the alternative of them just dying. You know? one, of the, one of the games that you can buy on the Epic Game Store uh, is Darksiders 3. And really? Yes. And um, that kind of what you're speaking to, I, I like it commanding so much attention on the Epic Game Store. Yeah. Where it's, it's a series that I think like has never really gotten the attention that it deserves. Um, and just seeing it and not having to compete against hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, you know, whatever games is really cool. And so I, I hope that they can continue to do that where it's like, hey, this won't get the same amount of attention on the PlayStation Store, on the Microsoft Store, on Steam, but it will get a lot of attention here. And if you know they're getting a higher cut, I think that really incentivizes you to purchase on that platform in a cool way. It just seems so thought, well thought out. Like, the games that they're choosing, the games that are free, the exclusives that they're getting, like, everything lines up in a way that makes so much sense. Yeah. And that's what I like about it. I they like the thoughtfulness. Well, that's it. that's like the position that Epic's at. As they're rolling in so much dough, not only can they do these crazy things, they can take the time to do it right. Yeah. You know, they can take the time, and they don't need to, because you were saying, like, was this the best way to announce it? Imagine if there was just, like, a like three, four, even, like, a one-month lead-up to the Epic Game Store launching. They announce it, and it's coming, and then by the time it launches, we're like, oh, did you hear the Epic Games were launched this week? It's like, oh, oh, is that? Yeah, I guess that was today. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Versus like Epic now, party time now. You know, it was so one, like, I think it was if we're not talking about it that as much as we are now in January, it's fine. They already had, again, like in December, right before, mm-hmm. come get your gift certificates and you know your holiday presents now. Um, makes a lot of sense. And yeah. that- even if, if you just sign up, 
Do you just you put in your email address, download Subnautica, you know, Christmas present right there for your kid. Cost you nothing. <laughs> well, I don't, you know. <laughs> kids take it care of. <laughs> like open a box with just a piece of paper that says, "I got you Subnautica." Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> Thanks, um, Dad. <laughs> I do. I do think Fortnite is an important thing to bring up, though, because for so many people, that is something they're logging into every day, mm-hmm. all the time. And the store is just right there. It's just one click away within the same launcher. And that, to me, feels so much better than other services that I've used where, like, I have to remember that that thing is on there and boot it up specifically for that purpose. I feel like for a lot of people, it's just going to be kind of a natural curiosity that leads them over in this direction. And that will make a big difference, I think, in terms of just retention and audience uh in a, in a pretty impactful way have you been playing black ops 4 on pc i've i feel like i've put an equal amount of time in on pc and and that's through battlenet that's right? through battlenet how's yes. that going that and destiny like how's that been for blizzard to to bring in these activision properties into their launch because it kind of seems not very similar but you know kind of like the same vibe of yeah, like this was like this weird game showing up to the party, and this whole community like, whoa! <laughs> like we're used to this style, and then here comes for these two very a- action-heavy focused shooters. Uh, yeah, I, I think the BattleNet interface works just fine. Um, it is nice, I guess, because um, it's a combined friends list, right? So it's like, okay, well, a bunch of the people that I have on here for Hearthstone, I see that they might be playing black ops 4 or destiny and so that that is kind of a nice consequence where maybe you wouldn't get that otherwise but yeah it's fine i i don't really have anything cool to say about that it, was that was the one of the answers i was looking for is yeah. like is it a big deal are no. there was there a clash at all between no. the activision and blizzard communities no cool. uh it's gotten to the point where it just blends right in with the heroes of the storm with the world of warcraft it, yeah it's fine are we ready for some emails? Yeah, I'm ready for emails. Oh, boy. Bring them on. call it the Fortnite store. Does Fortnite or Epic Games have more, you know, stock value? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that a lot name of people, in 2018. There are millions of people <laughs> playing Fortnite who have no idea what Epic Games is. <laughs> yeah, or the store even exists. Yeah. You know, just like, oh, look at that. But you got to believe in your brand. You do. Uh, our first email is about Fallout 76. Oh, This boy. comes in from Jared. Here we go, Jared. I normally don't bring up such stories. Uh, as these, but given how important they are in the world of video games, I wanted to ask about your thoughts on Bethesda and the series of unfortunate events that has been the absolute <laughs> PR nightmare for them. And things only seem to be getting worse. The quick version is Fallout 76 is being universally panned as bug riddled, a bug-riddled, lifeless game without a clear vision that was obviously a cash grab and not ready for release. Yes. They've also cut the price of the game so drastically, presumably due to poor sales, that day one purchasers are upset, and now they are facing a potential lawsuit for false advertising on the $200 Power Armor Edition involving a canvas bag. Bethesda's response has been to offer $5 of in-game currency as payment, which is incredibly tone-deaf, in my opinion. My question is, do you think there has been a worse launch from a AAA developer? Has this tainted not only Bethesda's legacy, but also Todd Howard's, who was listed as the director on Fallout 76? Has this lessened your excitement for Starfield and the next Elder Scrolls? Uh, For me, this has been especially painful because I've always loved Bethesda. However, it's clear their arrogance and goodwill with players has finally caught up with them. So I'm cautiously optimistic this will be beneficial in the long run. I think there's more to this. I think there's another step on this where, like, Bethesda was offering, hey, okay, we'll send you a canvas bag if you ch- 
if you send in this proof of your purchase or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then everybody who sent in those tickets also had access to everyone else's tickets. And could see their home address and telephone number. Yeah. So this got even worse on top of that. Yes. They tried to do something better than the $5. They tried to do the canvas bags, but then on top of that, they just exposed everybody's info. I've seen people say, like, this is getting worse every day, and that's more true than not. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh. Um, and, And another thing that wasn't mentioned here, influencers did get the canvas bags. They got a canvas bag. They get a canvas yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which couldn't be bought, couldn't be issued to the people that actually paid mm-hmm. the money. No, no, no not for them. Thing. So they probably, I didn't know there was a lawsuit involved that was serious. I guess that that's probably why they had the, okay, okay, we'll give you your canvas bags, but then like didn't really have a system in place to really do it properly. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, I didn't realize Todd Howard is director. I really just thought he was like a producer and they have him come out to do speeches and stuff. When I saw that, Kyle, I was shocked. It does. I mean, not shocked. Shocked is too strong of a word for it, but I was I was disappointed. It, it hurts his profile for sure. Mm-hmm. He's no longer uh, winning uh, undefeated. You know what I mean? Uh, which is something Quentin Tarantino is really proud of and why yeah. he wants to retire is he never made a bad movie, which is impossible. <laughs> Uh, Todd Howard can't say that anymore. It happened. He had his bad one. Um, that's crazy. Director on that. Do you think he was really director? Do you think they like added his name to like m- give the game more prestige on it? Like, man, that's what he's been spending his time on. I mean, it, it's hard to say. It's always yeah. hard to to say like, yes, this is exactly how much this person did on any project, but considering like he was the face out there he was getting on the the stage at E3 and QuakeCon he was yeah. talking about the systems he was selling you on the game i mean what he did in terms of like design and the nitty-gritty i don't know but i think it is fair to say that he was absolutely the face of the game yeah uh which is enough mm-hmm. still going to play Elder Scrolls 6 though i think that's where the like tidal wave crashes for me yes is that um I think for, for for me, it's enough to know deep down in my bones that there are some really harsh meetings happening right now. But that's like like there are people in a conference room being like, "What the hell happened?" Like there there are there are there are conferences that happened, meetings that happened, uh, calls that happened before that game launched, where people were like. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You know, like, because oh, they, yeah. they knew. They knew the issues they were having. They knew, they saw the bugs. Like, and they were like, do you don't understand? This is the climate that we're in now, baby. You know, like, look at Fortnite. Look at these games. The Sea of Thieves, No Man's Sky. Like, these games can get better. They can have a second life. Like, if we have a bad launch, we can recover. And it's like, congratulations. You found the instance where maybe you can't. Like, mm-hmm. you've pushed it so far that, like, other developers are going to learn from this. You know, they're going to see... The I fallout was the word that my brain suggested to describe it, but uh, you know, not to you know be too much on the nose there, but uh, the backlash from you know pushing that too far because it's I think one of the major things that they discovered is they're like, oh, you know, like people can excuse stuff like that. We can excuse it when it's Hello Games who hasn't made anything like No Man's Sky before, and I would argue that and, No Man's Sky was not excused, uh, but. It's not something real like Hello Games did it again. You know, right. it's like, oh, whoa, this was just we're all we're all just flustered. It was like, what happened here? Why did you? What were you mm-hmm. thinking? And they like immediately they were like, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. You know, like every all the complaints people had was stuff that was said before launch. Whereas Hello Games really just very smartly just stepped completely out of the spotlight, and they're like, we're not gonna breathe until we fix all of this and then come back to you. And then look where it is now. It's great. Like yeah. even something like Rainbow Six Siege, it didn't have that popular was not as popular at launch as it is now. Something like Fortnite that like. 
you know, Epic Games obviously has a pedigree, but like nobody knows this franchise. We have no expectations of what this series can be. And like our appreciation of it has just gotten more and more and more. None of that applies to Fallout. None of that applies to this franchise that we're we are expecting a certain level of um of quality is the right word, but like yeah, yeah, we're expecting, you're to expecting to a certain level of a certain amount of work into it to be responsible for the issues that this game may or may not have. And that responsibility doesn't seem to be really shouldered by anybody. And so it's kind of fun in a weird way. It's it's satisfying to see them squirm a little bit because it's like, yeah, you were super cocky. Yeah. You were really confident that everyone was going to have your back here. And <laughs> surprise, we don't, you know, and surprise, it's really hurting your sales. And I again, I don't think it's we're in 2021 when Elder Scrolls six comes out. I don't think we're going to be like, oh, no, Fallout six is not going to have a multiplayer component. It's not going to, you know, they're going to make all the promises that they made with this game. But uh yeah, I yeah, I, I I grin a little bit when situations like this happen when these big companies, you know, take a hit and you're like, there you go. You got to you think harder. You can't be you can't rest on your laurels all the time. I just imagine I imagine like like Ethan, you're going to have to make some space in the trophy room. Like they're expecting the goaties to come in, you yeah. know. Ethan, we're, best multiplayer game locked. We're going to need some room. And just like just, You're right. I bet it was such an awakening, dude. I bet it was just like, what? That's our meta score? Is something wrong? I bet that was shocking. But like the Wii U was an awakening for Nintendo. And like yes. we're in a great spot now. You yeah. know, so like I don't just don't think Fair this enough. means something where it's like they're doomed. You know, like I think this is a company that's bounced off of buggy games before, you know, weird things that only really it was that audience that like is still supporting it. I, I feel like there was there was a deal with Bethesda though. There was like kind of this invisible handshake that was going on where it's mm-hmm. like, all right, we'll put up with the bugs. If you can offer us something that is beyond what we can get in other places, if yeah. you can be more open, if you can offer more choice, um, if yeah. you can offer more systems, uh, just general freedom. I mean, that was really the thing is like, hey, this is buggy because of how much freedom we're giving you. And I feel like that handshake is no longer compelling when technology keeps evolving and you see these studios make these leaps and bounds and they're not running in i mean they're running into bugs absolutely to say that there aren't other buggy games out there is wrong but they're not running it into it in the level that bethesda usually runs into it and they're doing it better they're offering more polish along with offering more freedom and telling better stories and so when it gets to to elder scroll 6 i don't expect it to be the train wreck that is Fallout 76, but I do wonder in the back of my mind, like, is this going to compete with Cyberpunk? I mean, think about, like, the mindset that I think a lot of people are going into Cyberpunk with, where it's like, I am so excited in this, I have faith in this, I have confidence in this, because of the last project that I played, whereas I feel like now the tone with Elder Scrolls Six, not that Fallout 76 is going to be indicative of the Elder Scrolls 6's quality, but I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh man, I'm going to wait and see because of Fallout 76. You don't have that momentum, you don't have that faith anymore that I think can be so important for people buying stuff. And we're, like, I don't have forgiveness. You know, a lot of times I can have forgiveness, I can see their perspectives. Where I don't is that they sold it so hard as a Fallout game. It could have been $30. It could have been, hey, this is just an offshoot. This is a side thing we wanted to try. Their messaging was, this is a Fallout game. Welcome to Fallout. Yes. Kyle, 
Go, go watch that E3 conference. Watch Todd Howard get up there in his goddamn leather jacket, <laughs> smiling ear to ear. I, dude, I hated that press conference, Acting man. like he's giving you the second coming. Yeah. Taking it like 15-second pauses. Yeah. Walking like all the way to the other end of the stage <laughs> and then introducing like another new thing. And that's yeah. what... Uh, oh, and, and that's so pissed off And it right frustrates now. me too because like he was kind of vague and it's like he wasn't vague because they were still figuring out. He wasn't vague because it was really complex to explain to us he just wasn't telling us what was going on he just yeah. didn't like wasn't like serious about the game you, for some reason this reminds me of Jack Trenton remember when the after the hack when Trenton came out on stage the Sony stage and was like we're sorry that yes, sucked I remember like I just want you all to know I'm not gonna say that like we shouldn't have done this or this shouldn't have happened because this is a real tough thing we do to provide all of this stuff via these systems that we make and have them be secure and have prevent this stuff. I, I talk to like coders all the time that they're like, you cannot prevent hacking. You just can't like you can fix it after the fact and you can catch it when it happens. But like it's so tough. There's just nothing is foolproof. And boy, that press conference <laughs> or E3, the next time Bethesda steps out on stage if they're like Fallout seventy six, wink. Everyone's gonna be like, "Don't you wink at me? Don't yeah. you dare!" But like, they, no they way. Winked, so it's gonna be they really interesting. During that conference, they're like, "But we, will they?" We now? Heard, That's one of my big questions. Not if Elder Scrolls six will sell. Not if Fallout seventy six will turn around. Because like, I bet it probably will. I bet there'll still be people playing this. I know a lot of people. They're having a lot of fun despite all the issues with seventy six. It's how they market anything from this point mm-hmm. on. But I'm I feel like very that's, curious that's even the initial problem with, with Fallout 76. I'm not saying it would have been completely washed away. It's still an utterly terrible game. But think about how the response would have been if they came out there and they said, listen, straight up, this is going to be rough, you guys. This is going to be an this experiment. Is, this is going to be an experiment, and it's going to be rough. We're going to charge $10 for it, and we're going to evolve it very mm-hmm. slowly over time. If you could have just gotten out there and been honest... People would be excited. They'd be wanting to contribute. And instead, everybody just feels scorned because you under-delivered so hard that it's it's just like, I don't know. It, I, I think the because I just spent so much time on it, the emotion is still raw. But like, I do feel like I have less faith in Bethesda. I do. I, yeah. I feel like I have less excitement, um, less forgiveness, less sympathy, less anything. I think in 2018, like now that it's goatee time, I would like to, on Frame Trap right now, I'd like to give out the 2018 Audience Awareness Award. Uh, the loser is Bethesda and the winner is Epic. <laughs> as far as like getting your audience, yeah. you know, and speaking to them directly. Uh-huh. And like that, to, to me, that's like one of the hallmarks of Fortnite's success is yes. just getting Absolutely. It. Just, yep. Just, yep, we get it. We, we know exactly what you want. Oh, you hated that? We'll take it out. Yep. And like the new, yeah, yeah. like season seven, like the way season seven's being advertised is not like, this is gonna be sweet. It's like, this is gonna be weird. I don't know. It's gonna be Santa's pissed. Yeah. Whatever. You know, it's like, it just always kind of teeters on that. Let's just have a good time, everybody. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like you were saying, like the light, the like, you know, who wants to be a millionaire lighting where Todd Howard comes in, you know, <laughs> and they're always oh, here, you know, the, taking, you know, 30 minutes to explain something that could have taken him eight. Yeah. Um, doesn't work anymore. It's yeah. not going to work next year. It's not going to work the year after that. You're done. It's over. That was the final wink. There's a way you have to, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, and it's sad to not only see that not working for Bethesda, but see them like attempt 
at doing that, seeing them plan that the, you know the wrestler was going to come out and play the Rage song, being like, "This is going to slay," and it's like, "No, not really." You know, just that that connection. I think, and it, it's going to be really interesting to see maybe people that leave Epic and go to other companies, or even people like in Nintendo. I think Nintendo is like really connected with their audience with the Switch, and like you know, to see these people learning this new trade of just like it's a totally different language that you have to speak. And not only that, but you have to be aware when you're not good at speaking it, you know, because like you said, like releasing a game that's buggy can work if you (laughs) communicate the right way. Right. And it's neat to see game quality and communication via advertising now totally separate entities where it's like, you know, you have to um, you can make a bad game popular. You can make a good game suck. You can, you know, a a flawless game can get zero sales if it's just not handled correctly. EDF, you know, you're like, it knows what it is. It sells to its audience. Mm -hmm. It's still around. It's great. And it's it's not promising you this life changing experience. It's not trying to. Yeah. Moving on. Do you want to say Bethesda's lucky to have id? You know, like Rage will probably be pretty good. Doom 2 will obviously be really good. Wolfenstein, yeah. you know what I mean? They're lucky yeah. to have that aspect, which does like makes make us like Bethesda more. Oh, that Wolfenstein DLC. Totally forgot about that. But what made Doom work is it, it felt like it was so in tune with its audience. Right. Uh, right. In a ways that we're not have, expected. They're lucky to have those teams, is what I mean. Right. Yeah. I don't see that as Bethesda, really. I do see it as like a different aspect of Bethesda. Yeah. Interesting to take it all the way back earlier. Fascinating to look at Just Cause 4 and Rage 2, both developed by the same team. Not the same developer. I don't know what the teams were. It's both Avalanche Studios. And it's interesting seeing the quality of the renders of the in-game characters in Rage 2 versus Just Cause. Rage 2 is Avalanche? I believe so, isn't it? It's Avalanche and Yeah, because it was was like part of the Mad Max team, right? Yeah. Whoa, I totally so forgot about that. Interesting seeing, like, they loved this game, they <laughs> didn't love this one, you know, or just put put the extra, you know, yeah. care in TLC. Budget, too. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That is funny, dude. Our next email comes in from John. Are games that require online research tainting the experience? I really online like research. this. Okay. I really like this email a lot. Like Pokemon? Hi, Frame Trap. Allies, I'm about 80% done with Hollow Knight, and I'm absolutely loving nearly every dimension of this game, from the music to the gameplay to the vibes. That said, there is one element that I am not loving, and that is the fact I feel required to look things up online. For example, to get the true ending of Hollow Knight, you have to do a series of relatively obscure actions that I most certainly would have missed without looking things up. The same can be said for a number of the game's other discoveries or bits of lore, and it all combines to create the feeling that this game was designed for people who will inevitably look things up, a way that I feel about Dark Souls and an increasingly large number of games that I love. And I've got to say, not a fan of this trend. I prefer a Hollow Knight or Dark Souls that gave me just enough guidance to realistically figure things out on my own, giving me the satisfaction of living entirely within this world without the slippery slope of diving into wikis and act that inevitably ends with me looking up much more than I'd have liked. What do you guys think? Are you a fan of this trend? Is your experience more special when you don't look anything up? What games strike the right balance of appropriate guidance without hand-holding? It's a really, really good point, but I love that stuff. I love it too. I love I'm... that stuff existing in Dark Souls. That you know what? I'll never find that, but it's in there when you find it so good. But the point I really love is that you do end up finding out things you don't want to know when you try to look stuff up. Mm-hmm. That almost always happens. Right. I, I am I'll I'll take the other side of this coin. Sure. This has actually been a very nitpicky note for me in games in general for years. And it's something that frustrates me where 
and and I think in a, lot, in, in a lot of games it doesn't necessarily matter, but like Pokemon really rides that line of like you know how how serious are we supposed to take this world anyway? Mm-hmm. But it's always struck me that a lot of games when I'll see something and I'll, I'll use Red Dead Redemption as an example. So there are legendary animals that you get a map that you can go find, but they're also they'll say like go get a cougar pelt, and like it took me a long time to find a cougar. You know, like I bumped into a ton in the game, but it was like oh I'll just go get one now. And look, there's a little cougar. On the map. That's mm-hmm. where the cougars are. I'd go to that zone, wander around for an hour, no cougars. And I'm like, just let me know where it is. You know, it's like if I want to find it, if I want to make it tricky and just kind of like, oh, I'm going to search this area because I just love being in this world and I don't care. But it'd be neat if there was a like the trapper or someone like a hunter that's in some area. And I can go to that person and ask him just where where is it? You know, like just give me the resource to just find it if I want to. But then if I want to go Dark Souls with it and then like I'll get another achievement. Maybe, maybe I got to pay that person for that advice. Or there's some kind of, you know, reward for not looking it up or payment or, or something a, that sets me back for needing it. The fortune tellers of old RPGs. Or you go to a fortune teller, like, sure. here's what you're doing next. Yeah, yeah. So it just surprises me that, like, information is being with it. Because one thing about Dark Souls, because, like, it makes sense kind of for your character to not know anything. You are yeah. thrust into this very confusing, very um, yeah. uh, mysterious world. But for something like Red Dead or something like a world builder, something that, like, is a realistic uh, environment that they're trying to suggest, like, someone's got to know. I mean, someone's got to have this information in this world, and it's weird to me that I don't have access to it. It's weird to me when someone's like, I desperately need you to go find this item for me. It's somewhere over there. And it's like, you don't know where you want, you need this that bad, and you have no idea where it is. You're like, it's, yeah, it's 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 weird that Man. I can't, I, like, and I'm not saying every game should just do that, just give me all the info, mm-hmm. but provide an opportunity uh, somewhere I can go within the game to get it if I just give up and I'm like I'm stupid I'm sorry like like game FAQ should exist within the game is what you mean like if it's possible yeah, yeah. in a game like Witcher or you know GTA or, I, or something I where I agree alright um, and I see where you're coming from and I, I get that way a lot and uh, I will often find myself just because it's so easy to do you have your phone right next to you and you're like oh I wonder what this is or I wonder where this thing is or I wonder how I do this it's so easy to do but uh, a really eye-opening and I think instructive experience for me was reviewing Bloodborne and not having any access to yeah. any of that stuff <laughs> nobody knows anything I, I, yeah e- even if I wanted to I couldn't um, and when I finished that game, it was interesting following the discussions in the weeks and months that came after. Because it was like, yeah, had no idea that was there. No idea that was there. Didn't know I could do that. Didn't know that was a weapon. Just so many things. And it's not like I didn't explore. I didn't play it thoroughly. I right. did. But I was limited, you know, with my own playthrough of it. Did you see the Canehurst Castle on your playthrough? I did. Nice. I did. That one to me was super obscure. <laughs> yeah. Mm, maybe I didn't. I, I definitely did see it. I don't know if I saw it initially during the review or if I went back. Right. Yeah. Because like, I believe I cut that review, and I'm pretty sure Canvas was in there. Okay. okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, I remember sweet. that. I remember that yeah. wagon cut scene. I remember sweet. being like, "What's yeah, happening? Yeah. Whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that happened then, because yeah. yeah, it is pretty obscure. Um, but anyway, the the point that I'm trying to make is, even after learning that there was all of this stuff in Bloodborne that I didn't see, it didn't take anything from Bloodborne away from me. I felt like I played an amazing game and the game was so good and whatever I saw was done so beautifully well that I was excited to go back and get the rest of it. And I think 
that is a bad mindset that we can get into. It's an easy, it's an understandable mindset, especially in an age of, of trophies and bragging rights and sharing stuff on social media is like, if I'm playing this, I'm doing everything. I'm not missing anything. If you withhold it from me, I'm pissed off. It's like, no, it's okay to play a game multiple times. It's okay to play a game for months. Like, I think there is a beauty in a game letting you miss stuff. Mm-hmm. I still, I, even though I looked it up and I got everything in Hollow Knight, I think Hollow Knight is still good enough that even if you don't get the true ending, it's awesome. Yeah. And like you may be inspired because of its quality to go back and play more. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think that, like I said, I'm, I'm not really innocent of what I'm preaching here, but I think it can make a more meaningful experience when it really feels like it's yours and not game facts. Yeah. Agree. And and I think it has to do with the meaning behind the thing that you then discovered. Right. So like the difference with Red Dead is like, I have fought cougars. I know there's a spot where they spawn the most. I know this thing is in the game. I know it's somewhere. I just don't know where it is. So like, that's a difference between like, oh, I didn't know this item or oh, I didn't know this character. It's like, I think that's stuff that you should find on your own. But if there's something, it's like, I just don't, I just don't know. Like yeah. I, I found those, the, the, the relics, the little shrines in Just Cause 4 found everyone organically except for the last one. I was just like, I like booted up on like, oh, there it is. Okay, thanks. You know, it's like right. there wasn't. Yeah. If I had found it myself, I would have been like, oh, I'm so glad. You know, it's like yeah. no, I know it's some. I know it's in this. I know it's on this mountain. It's just ah, where is it? You know, it's like I just don't want to fly in a. I don't get a reward out of just flying around in my parachute for 30 minutes. And ah, there's the cave. What okay. do the shrines do? Uh, it's the the Raiders balls thing that you have to like move maneuver oh, around cool, cool, cool. into a specific spot. I nice. do think it uh, it sucks when a game just explains its controls poorly. And like that, I don't think is acceptable. I think I think every game should do a, a good job. It doesn't have to review all of its layers, but you should feel like you play it on a basic level. Like it's really discouraging when you're playing a game for a long period of time, and there's this super obvious addition that would make your life better. And it's like, wait, why didn't you why didn't you show me that earlier? Yeah. Because um, then it feels like you're just not enjoying the game. It's kind of crazy nice to potential. me. Uh, Smash doesn't explain the perfect shields, right? It's crazy that there's like no practice mode for that or that it's never explicitly said, hey, we have this now. It's like Sakurai knows that we all watched that E3 <laughs> super long demo or that there was probably one after that you and I watched where they talk about perfect shields or whatever. It's like it just expects us to remember all of that. <laughs> do, you, do you think it's that or do you think like they're coming at it from the perspective of the more we explain, the more people will turn away? I 100% think that's a huge aspect of it too. Uh-huh. If you I actually dump think all that on people immediately, yeah. I actually think it's okay in that case where like, yeah. like perfect shields are really, the parry system is really useful in yeah. Smash Brothers Ultimate, but like playing Smash Brothers for the first time, you need to know what the A and B and Y, but really, really like, you true, just need yeah. to know the basic stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, you don't want to throw that on. It's like teaching know. music. Yeah, you can't go too hard too fast. You okay. even just saying perfect shields make me nervous. Yeah, sorry. John right, exactly. is so it's exactly. bad at that. It's exactly. not a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> Our last email comes in from Andrew. Samurai Hype Check. Mm-hmm. Hi, allies. With Ghost of Tsushima, Sekiro, and Samurai Showdown coming out in the near future. Animusha Warlords, baby. Uh, nice. Thank you, Brandon. Keep it rolling. Uh, coming out in the near future. Mm-hmm. What is your hype level for each of these games and for Samurai games in general? Love and respect. All right, let's sort them out again. I can do, I can do a, a hype level for each game. Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, that's a nine. Jones? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Nine, I, I would, a little bit close to a nine because I think it's gonna, I'm probably gonna prioritize some other games depending on launch. Oh. It's a game that I think is going to be majestic, but I don't know if it's gonna be something that I'm like, gotta do it instead of, in, in replace of all these other games. Cool. Nine. 
Nice. Sekiro. Yeah, way better. Brandon first. Tsushima ten. I'm so oh man. Really? Oh yep. it's my Tenchu dreams come true. And it's and and it's everything the the worst part about Tenchu over the years was the combat. The traversal was great, the map design was great, the stealth was great, the combat was always just like, ah, I got caught, I'm gonna go run and hide again. Mm-hmm. And Sekiro's like, Oh, you caught me? Let's do the you know, like <laughs> let let's fight with some of the best combat developers in the business right now. I'm just oh, I'm so pumped. Wow. It's it's weird because I feel like I never talk about Sekiro and like, you know, when I talk about games that I'm excited about, I often forget about it because it's falling into this absolutely bizarre place where I don't need to know anything else about it. I don't want to watch any more trailers. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I just know that when I get it, it is going to be amazing and that is all I need. Like, mm-hmm. I just have no doubts, uh, more so than anything. I'm giving that one a nine. Like I'm, I'm equal with that as Ghost of Tsushima. You know, different, different, totally different games, but equal excitement for sure. Yeah, I, I think just with Sekiro, the reason why it would be a ten as opposed to a nine, like Ghost of Tsushima, is I feel like I have a better understanding of how you fight things in Sekiro, right? And like how that combat actually translates to feel during a controller. And I just mm-hmm. don't have that yet with Ghost of Tsushima. I'm sure it will come. Uh, Samurai Showdown. I believe you mean Samurai Showdown two, right? No, they no, just rebooted Samurai- it. Or, I'm sorry, Spirits? I was thinking of a Samurai Gun, not Samurai Showdown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also Samurai-themed. Uh, but uh, Samurai no, the U.S. Showdown. name is going to be yes, Samurai yes, yes. Showdown, they announced. Spirits. Oh. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, pretty high, man. Like, obviously not as high. Like, I don't know if it's a game I'll buy, but, you know, I just love fighting games. I love, a, like, a new fighting game coming out. Uh, I'll give that one an 8. I love how it looks. I love that it's distinct. SNK making fighting games outside of King of Fighters is a big deal. Please. Yeah. Big ol' eight for that one. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, agree with you. Like, Samurai Shodan is a, is a series that I've always played super, super, super casually. Um, but what I love about it is just the character designs. Mm-hmm. Like, how the, the, the animations, the faces that those characters make, I'm really excited to see. And I think, like, that's enough to grab me. And then hopefully, you know, I get more invested as I play it. Seven for me. I'm just terrible at fighting games. Yeah. Looks like fun, though. That's yeah. fair. And I don't have a lot of connection to the original. Um, how do we feel about samurai games in general? The best. Yeah. Right? It's like... What else is there to say, really? It's just like, it's one of the things you want to be. Close your eyes. What do you want to be? Like, superheroes, like, top one, right? But, like, uh, you know, it's just fun to be a samurai. Like, it is fun to be a secret agent. I know this isn't samurai, but, like some of my favorite memories from Bloodborne were the hunters where like it was just such a different thing where it was just like nightmare creature people that have gone psycho with torches and then I would get into an area and it was like oh wait whoa the whole vibe I'm getting from this dude is totally different yeah this feels like a player this feels like someone who's on par with me as far as skill and just seeing them like at a distance see me and pull their weapons out and then start moving it was like like one of the most intimidating things I've ever seen in a video game before yeah um yeah, those were oh, each of those was so much fun. So that's the vibe I get from Samurai of just that like standoff. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's fun, it's fun to see. It's like when two heroes meet in Battlefront. You're just like, all right, let's do this. And it's like, what a cool historical legend, right? Like, obviously, you know, maybe legend is inappropriate because it would suggest that some of it isn't true. But just like, uh, just you know, like knights, like people who are bound by honor. You know what I think it is? Hmm. I think secretly everybody wants to live by a code. Okay. I think there's there's some part of you, maybe not the whole part of you, but I think there's some part of every person that wants to very explicitly define their own ideals and then like adhere to them absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was like I will die for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's why people fight so hard for 
fandom. That, that's just their code. That's just their code sure. that they've mm-hmm. programmed into themselves. We are all samurai. We are all samurai. We all want to be samurai. <laughs> we all spy we all for samurai. Lo- <laughs> for We're all samurai training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was a fun uh, question to answer. Sorry, I got the... For some reason, I thought it was Samurai Gun, but whatever. Fun email to end on. Thank you so much to my panelist, Kyle Bossman. Yeah, it's a blast. And Brandon Jones. Also blast. Yes. Also blast. Uh, to let you know, if you're still listening to this podcast, uh, it has been tricky scheduling things before everybody goes and leaves to different parts of the United States to go see family. Um, and so we might have to shift some frame trap scheduling around a little bit if that happens i will try to let you know um and yeah if you'd like to send in an email real quick email askeasyallies at gmail.com once again that is askeasyallies at gmail.com and we will see you next time